leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, every Thursday morning. I'm so excited. I get excited at uh, quite easily these days, and so just getting to Thursday is a bit of a miracle as far as I'm concerned. Uh, who's returning to the X Factor? The good news is it's Louis Walsh. Now we just got to get rid of uh, Cheryl and we should be okay. Uh, slaughtered in the street for a debt of £120. The hen party for a dog that is costing 6000 The wedding, who are these people, uh, is going to cost 20000 uh, Dying patients are being left dehydrated in pain in their final hours. More families pay for a cleaner. David Beckham earns £45 million a year, still can't top the sports star's rich list and still looks as miserable as sin. And two prisoners beheaded in the middle of a street in Iraq. All of that and more this morning. And, uh, and the bad news is that um, uh, there's no laughing matter for gnomes. Apparently sales have plummeted. Of gnomes, people aren't, people aren't buying gnomes anymore. They think, 94% of people, I think, in this recent survey said they wouldn't buy a gnome or a garden ornament. I quite like garden ornaments. Some of them are quite nice now. Some of these spiritual things are quite good. I quite like, you know, these sort of big heads that you can get, that you put there in the corner, and maybe by a, a flower arrangement or by a waterfall or something. I think they're actually quite nice. But are gnomes a bit, bit naff? Everybody at some point in the British garden had gnomes. And now, I mean, you can still find them in garden centres. It's just that you think to yourself, nobody wants them anymore. I thought they were quite funny. We get naughty gnomes. Naughty gnomes are good. Gnome with his little trousers pulled down at the back and little fishing rod and stuff like that with saucy little signs. They were OK, but do you think they're now past it? Do you think that it's like the kiss-me-quick hats, like the naughty postcards from the seaside? Do you think that's all, that's all disappeared now? What a shame. What a shame. We like a bit of naughtiness as a, as a, as a race... We like our double entendres. Of course, it doesn't work, does it, for other people? There's now so many people coming in from, from other countries and they don't understand our sense of humour. Mind you, sometimes I don't understand our sense of humour. But it is nice to have a company. I trust you are well this morning. I didn't realise you could clock a car legally. 40 quid to slash it and it's not against... You can buy a machine on the internet. You can buy a machine on the internet. I did know somebody about 20 years ago, and he said, I'm going to get my car clocked. I said, oh, why? He said, because it's better. But there's no... But the trouble is, do people not realise, 40 quid to slash the mileage on cars, but it features on the... on the MOT. It, will, it puts the mileage down. So if you've got the mileage of, say, 30,000, and then all of a sudden it appears as 20,000, the MOT people are going to say, but it's not, it's 30,000. We know it is, because we've got it... It's written on the MOT. I don't quite see the point of that. It's 40 quid down the drain, as far as I'm concerned. You know, if you're a bit stupid, you say to somebody, show me the, uh, show me the actual MOT, and they will have a history of it. And it's documented. It's not, it's not difficult to find. I just don't know why somebody would want to go and sort of get a car clocked for the sake of 40 quid. Ridiculous, isn't it? Absolutely ridiculous. Anyway, um, it's interesting that Sharon Osbourne has leapt, leapt with both feet and uh, hair ablazing into the Elton John row and the policeman in America who's suing him because he claimed that Elton tweaked his nipples and asked him to get his bits out and things like that. I mean, I thought that was quite par for the course. You know, if you're a policeman in New York, you must be used to most things, but apparently he's gone into meltdown. And Sharon Osbourne says, look in the mirror, mate. He can do a lot better than you. But he doesn't, does he? Because he's a married man. We all know that Elton's in a very happy marriage and he's got two delightful children. I just don't understand why anybody would do it. They say, and he worked with him for years. Worked with him for years. 
Uh, and they've said he was a disgruntled employee. Mind you, they said the same, didn't they, about uh, Scott, who was the boyfriend of Liberace, uh, who went off the rails with drugs. And uh, Liberace said, you know, when, when they got rid of him to replace him with, uh, with somebody else for Liberace, uh, they then said, oh, he was a disgruntled employee and uh, he was doing drugs and we had to get rid of him. And so that's how they, they wrote him off. It was quite easy. If you're, if you're very, very rich, you write people off. I, sha- I can't imagine why, at the age of 69, Elton John's even bothering with that kind of thing. Don't you sort of give that up at 69? Obviously not. Obviously not. Uh, the hijacker's wife says, I don't want to see him. I'm embarrassed. And he said, uh, what would you do You know, if you want to see your wife? And you look at him and you think, you are a simpleton, aren't you? It's not his fault. Uh, also, the Brit who posed with the hijacker, gets an ear bashing from his mother. He's obviously quite as stupid as the hijacker, who wasn't a hijacker. He's just somebody who wanted to see his wife, and he had phones sort of strapped to him. But they keep saying it's a selfie. It's not a selfie at all. It's absolutely not a selfie. That picture was not a selfie. Both his hands are by his side. How can it be a selfie? Unless he's got a stick. He could have... It's a photo. Somebody has said, can you two stand here? You, gormless idiot the one called Ben, you you do the big smiling, and you, potential hijacker, uh, stand there and just try and look a bit stupid. And then somebody takes a picture of him. It wasn't a selfie at all. I don't know why they think it was a selfie. Unless he's holding it with something we're not aware of, which was just out of sight. I mean, that in itself conjures up all sorts. It could be a circus trick. I don't know. But it's, they're, so they're now doing pieces in the paper on selfies. There is no selfie. It's like there's a piece in the Daily Star today on a wedding that they say cost a billion dollars. It didn't cost a billion dollars. They do write crap, honestly, in these papers. Some sorry to use a rude word at this time of the morning. Uh, we're now all fascinated, aren't we, with the uh, the uh, the billionaire who's over here with his flashy cars. Poor little soul. I bet he's single. I bet he's single. And I bet they're all going, he's a bit of a nerd. I couldn't care less whether... I thought his father was the billionaire. They think he's uh, linked to a branch of the Saudi Arabian royal family. Who cares? He's over here driving his cars and people go, oh, he's got a, a very flash car. And you think, God, he can't even afford a chauffeur. Times must be really hard, poor soul. And so he's doing his little sort of showy off act in London, as indeed do most of these Saudi boys. They come over in sort of the spring, sometimes because it's too hot over there. So they come over here, bring their flash cars over. They fly them over. It's quite cheap. They don't bother paying any parking tickets. Why should they? They're, they're, they're rich as creases, and they drive round because everybody, presumably in Saudi, is going, oh, God, there's that silly little show-off again. You know the silly little ugly one who's the billionaire, yeah, always driving his little cars up and down. Yeah, look at me, because I'm a big, clever boy. No, you're not, matey. And, of course, we laugh over here, but there's a few, a few, a few nerds who will take pictures of the cars and do things like that. Ben Cohen's wife has bitten back. You know that Ben uh, chucked the wife and the kids up so he could go off with Christina Rianoff. That's that, uh, that bit off the dancing programme. And uh, anyway, she manages to get pregnant. <sighs> I think she tried it with a few other people and they weren't buying it. Anyway, Ben Cohen went for it, got her pregnant. Uh, doesn't, have a, doesn't have a job as such. And so uh, the wife is now saying, you know, he's made his bed eating lion. I couldn't care less. I mean, obviously, she's very, uh, she's very bitter about it, as indeed you would be. Christina Rianoff is somebody who just likes to go out with loads of people. And uh, I suspect that very short. I don't see the relationship lasting. I really don't. And I'm generally quite right in these things. I didn't think Millie McIntosh's relationship would last. The one who's apparently heir to the fortune. No, she's not. Let's not be stupid about it. Uh, There's a new Dyson that vacuums the air. It's called an air purifier. You've been able to buy them for donkey's years. The Dyson version, 350 quid. The other version, which you can go and buy somewhere, about uh, £80. I've had them before. I had a beautiful thing years ago, and it was... I bought it. The company, I think, went went out of business. And it was a round thing. It It was all motor. 
And around the outside of it, it had this um, sort of white gauzy type of stuff with, with absorbent pellets inside it. And I put this on because I used to smoke many, many years ago. And so I wanted to get rid of the smell of cigarettes in the house. I put this thing on within literally an hour all traces of cigarettes had vanished completely. And I had this thing, and then it, it broke after about two years, but it was the best thing I'd ever had. And I've had a few similar, but they're all plasticky. This was a solid metal object, which was all motor. And it literally dragged the uh, the dirt out of the air. And Dyson have done the same, but it's 350 quid. You buy into the Dyson make, don't you? It's like I came in this morning. Well, no, last night, I have a, have a routine. I was explaining to the producer my routine. It's the same every single morning. You could literally video me and you would see me doing the same thing every day the alarm goes off at one o'clock i'm always awake before it so if i can stop it before one after the other i've got three of them start going beep 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 which drives you mad to the point of you want to throw them through the wall but anyway so i've got three so i do that get up go to the kitchen make well put put my dressing gown on uh go to the kitchen make a nice cup of coffee go back to the bathroom pick up the shaver Uh, go into the sitting room, plug my phone in to charge, uh, go to the internet, check my emails, seeing if the boss has written anything to me, like, have a great day, that kind of stuff. And he didn't, so it doesn't matter. And I have my cup of coffee, and I watch the news on the television, and I say it's fine. But I couldn't put the charger into the phone. It would not fit. And it's only... And I... Because my eyesight is not brilliant, I'm looking at it, and I'm shining a torch in there, and I could see something was stuck in the... Well, I thought it was anyway. I don't know, because I haven't got another one to compare it to with this, this type of, um, of input. And so I looked at it. I thought, this is ridiculous. So I'm trying to push the thing. I thought, perhaps it's broken. And it's happened before. When you put your phone in your pocket, the little tiny slot where you charge it sometimes gets either a bit of fluff in there or a bit of biscuit or something. I know it seems ridiculous, but it does. So I'm going to have to try and work it out another way. And... Um, and so I couldn't charge it, and I'm down to, like, 46%, and I'm getting a bit panicky. So I come in here this morning, and I said to Gary, because the papers weren't in, he's on our on our front desk today, I said, I've got this, can you see something in there? So he looked, his eyesight is ten times better than mine. So he looks, he says, yeah, there's something in there. So we need a pin or something. So anyway, he gets his, his Swiss Army knife out. It's all very useful, isn't it? So we sort of took a stone out of a horse's hoof, and then we cut a few things up, and then we filed our nails, and then we cut some paper shapes. And uh, then, with the actual blade, we... Oh, it started already. How excited. And, uh, <laughs> and it's sort of... I'm so sorry, actually. Normally I turn the volume off. It's a bit naughty not to turn the volume off. And so I said to him, um, can you get that out? And, and he said, I'll, I'll poke around in here, and we'll see what we, can, what we can do. And so, of course, I was delighted... You know, that, and so I said, you know, I said, you are, you're a useful person to have around. And so anyway, he had a good old route around, and uh, I just stood there, you know, being totally useless, totally useless. And, um, and it, was all, it was all very nice, anyway. And then he sort of got his little thing out, and he plugged it into the end, and, lo- and it started charging. I thought, what a clever boy. And I said, because I'm, I'm very grateful if people do little things for me, and he did do a little thing for me. And, it, and, I, and I thought, that's what a nice thing to do. You walk in in the morning, you're not feeling you're most awake. Well, but we are now, but I mean, at the time I wasn't feeling particularly awake. And, uh, and now it charges up. But unfortunately, we don't have a charger in the office. That, do we have one in the office? Is the one in there, Clive? iPhone 6, yeah. There must, somebody must have one somewhere, mustn't they? You got one in your bag, have you? God, you're useful as well, honestly. Don't you love people who just carry everything in their bag? In my bag, I've got some oranges, some yacht play, strawberry flavour. I don't like the raspberry. It's got a taste to it. Uh, some little oranges, some coffee. So. Swap with charger for an orange. Absolutely. 
So I'd definitely swap you the charger for an orange. Yeah, I, I can do... Put it this way, loan of the charger to oranges. OK? We, we can sort of haggle over it. They're not oranges, they're, they're satsumas. But they're easy peel. I like it, you know, when you can just peel back. I like that. That's, that always appeals to me. So anyway, so luckily the phone is now working. And, uh, and uh, <laughs> my, my friend Will, that one, he says, uh, he, says, I, I, he says, I miss you. Oh, we've started that one already, haven't we? Nothing worse is there when people sort of write you and go, oh, I miss you. And he says, uh, I'm up all night, happy to ring you as an alarm. Oh, God, it's now stalking. It's now getting worse, isn't it? It's now got to that state where people... Because I, I used to think, if you... Do you remember years ago, you could book um, uh, a time with BT. You could phone up BT and say, can I have an alarm call? And they would say, yeah, what time? And you go, uh, one o'clock in the morning, whatever it is. And they would phone you. The phone would ring. But, of course, you'd be lying there with anticipation. The food would ring, phone would ring. And then you sort of uh, pick it up. And you go, hello. And they go, this is your BT early alarm call. And then they put the phone down. They don't want to enter into conversation with you. But I don't think you can do that now. Uh, my friend John, as well, says hi, which is quite nice. It's all very social, isn't it? I've discovered, actually, we're in a very social kind of business. I had a very nice day yesterday. We talked to Jimmy Carr. He's on Netflix. In, oh, I'm so sorry. I'll turn the volume down in a minute. It's very unprofessional, I know. In fact, actually, Will will be the first person to tell me that I'm terribly unprofessional by having it on. So, in fact, I, I shall try and be professional and do you, a, do you a time check and tell you it's quarter past four. This is LBC. Nick of the team, at seven o'clock this morning, the family of Jean-Charles de Menezes lose the fight for police officers to be prosecuted after he was mistaken for a suicide bomber on the London Underground and shot dead in 2005. Does the ruling now exonerate the Met, and is it a fair result for the family? And two brothers, I've got this story, I'll, I'll tell you about it in a moment, they head-butted and jumped on a bulldog before throwing the animal down the stairs, escape jail, despite the fact the dog had to be put down, should they have been tried for murder. Uh, they certainly should have been barred from ever keeping animals ever again. I mean, these the pictures are... Her- oh, my screens have gone off. Oh, back on again. Oh, got quite frightened there. Uh, should they have been tried for murder? No, but they certainly should have gone to prison. I mean, that's just ridiculous. What message to, does that send out? As I said before, any cruelty to animals, I'm afraid I'm up there advocating bringing back hanging. Nick of the team from seven after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. Looking at the papers today, Lucy Fisher, senior political correspondent at The Times. Uh, Eve says you should have used a vacuum cleaner to remove the small particles from the mobile. No, I tried that. It didn't work. Didn't work that at all. I tried it. And so Gary had to, to use the knife. I mean, he was he was so clever. People are so much clever. And also, he can see better than I can, so that's good. Uh, Steve, you should get a desktop charger. You'll never have any problems again. Well, I normally charge it. And I bought one in Vegas. There was a man demonstrating, I told you. And it looked really brilliant. It was a, a charger that came with um, uh, a little solar panel. And they said, oh, just put it on the front of the car and it will charge it. Well, it doesn't. It's rubbish. Because we don't have enough sunlight, really, in this country to charge anything up at all, do we? En route to Stansted is uh, John to visit ben- Venice. I love the way he's put Venice, Italy, as opposed to Venice Beach, maybe. He said, any good places to go? Um, no, I don't know anything about Venice at all. But you're not, you're, you're the second person who's gone there. My other producer's gone there. And he's, uh, he's headed off to Venice as well with his parents, I think. So you'll have to look at wedding venues. My God, you must have a bit of money, mustn't you? Good Lord, a wedding venue. How nice. Uh, and somebody else says, you know any cheap Indian restaurants to eat out in? As I'm coming over in May. Loads. I think Indian food is possibly the cheapest. There was a very good one down in Paddington. And I can't remember what it's called, but it was it was very good value. Very, very good value. And uh, I like Indian food. It doesn't, unfortunately, it doesn't actually like me. Uh, yesterday we had a lot of problems, as you can remember. 
with the uh, with the sound card which came out on the app, which was a bit of a problem for many of you, but luckily we're all back to normal, so that's good news. And somebody else says, um, if you've got a landline, you can still book a wake-up call. You do it automatically, no humans involved. I decided, actually, the easiest thing, thing to do, Joan, is to go to Poundland and buy a little pound alarm clock. And that's exactly what I've got. Cheap, cheapo alarm clocks. Three of them. Little tiny things. They work on an AA battery. And, uh, and they, they work brilliantly. So it's, you know, it's, it's the way it works. And it's, it's good. Anyway, apart from that, I don't know what you did yesterday. I thought it was nice weather. We got a bit of sunshine. Sunshine was good. Sunshine was very nice. And I'm thinking that we're now going to have a decent summer. We certainly haven't had any of the snow down here in London that the rest of the country had. That's that's the one thing. I did miss it a little bit. You know that I'm a big fan and a big advocate of winter, and I, I like the uh, the winter scenes and the autumnal weather and stuff like that. I like it when the leaves come off the trees. I don't like it when you've got to sweep them all up and sort of try and make things look a bit tidy. But uh, living out in the country must be an absolute delight for many of you, which is, uh, which is good. Caroline says, I wanted to tell you, but you, you make me feel like I've got somebody here with me when I'm on my own. Well, that's the whole idea, Caroline. That's what it's. That's what radio is. That's the good thing about radio, is that A, it's immediate, and B, it's there in times of need. Sometimes we bring you stories that you don't like. Sometimes, you know, we have to cover everything on the programme. Sometimes people misinterpret. Sometimes people mishear things. Sometimes people say, oh, you said that, and you go, no, I didn't. Then you have to prove it. I remember a lady said something to me ages ago. She phoned up and said, you've just said this. I said, no, I didn't. She said, yes, you did. I said, no, I didn't. And so we then replayed her that bit of the programme back again because it's all, it's all you know, on the, on the computers. And so we played it back and I went, see, I didn't say it. She said, well, I thought you did. I thought, God, nothing worse than somebody stupid. Talking of somebody stupid, there is a challenge sweeping the internet. I can only advise you to steer clear of it as quickly as possible. It's called the Iron Liver Challenge. And this is uh, a group of Brits um, who uh, drink a bottle of vodka or rum in less than a minute. I mean, when they started this, it was water and milk. Now they've moved on to booze. I can only tell you that the sort of people doing it are incredibly stupid. Andy Doherty, uh, who's got tattoos all over his face, is quite clearly one of life's stupid people. You know, you do not drink this. He says, uh, all my friends call me the land pirate because of my tattoos. No, we just call you stupid. I think stupid fits the bills so much better. And so uh, he's a body piercer. I don't know. And he drank a bottle of uh, of booze in less than a minute. An empty bottle. How stupid you have to be. Really, you know, if you drop dead tomorrow, ain't anybody going to be mourning you. Because doing dumb things like that and encouraging other people to do it. You know, because people see it on the internet. You might not be physically encouraging them. People go, oh, if it works for you, you can do it as well. Of course, there's no evidence that he's actually drinking vodka or anything like that. It could just be a bottle of water, couldn't it? It could be. He might be conning you. You know, anybody who's a body piercer kind of goes a bit low down the, uh, the the spectrum as far as I'm concerned. It's a bit like people who spend money on, on dogs. I don't mind people spending money on dogs, you know, feeding them and getting them a lead and a nice basket and stuff like that. But some people are so barking mad that they dress their dogs up. And here she is. It's today's buffoon. Her name is Helen Turner. Uh, she had a special pink stretch limo, doggy cocktails and even a male stripper. Her chihuahua, Chi-Chi, is going to marry her friend's Pomeranian, Harvey. She comes from Burnley. It's Lancashire. As I've said before, up the country, dumb, 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 dumb. And by the time you get to Burnley, thick as a brick. And so she blows on a doggy hen party. She's got some barking mad friends as well. 
um, £6,000. I have to ask you the question, and I'm always, I'm always fairly, fairly interested. Oh, that's right. She runs a dog grooming salon called Any Poor. She thinks the wedding will cost £20,000. My God, darling, you must be turning over some money at your salon. I'd like to see your tax bill. If you could afford to blow six grand on a doggy hen party with a male stripper for a, for a chihuahua, a chihuahua who's going to marry another dog. I mean, you, are you screwy or something? Dogs don't get married, dear. They just have sex. OK, we know that. We've seen Towie and Made in Chelsea. You know, it's just, you know, it's sort of people who go around carrying dogs. And so she's dressed hers up. And you look at it, and I just feel immensely sorry for her, because she's quite clearly not the full shilling. And their friends look equally as barking mad. And so they had, you know, they were serving the dogs. She had, she had a waiter start naked. I bet the dogs thought a little bit more food had arrived. Uh, two waitresses dressed as flamingos. I mean, where in God's name do you get people like that? A waitress who dresses a... I was trying to explain to the producer, well, the, the part-time producer, who's uh, going off to Australia, not you, to um, going off to Australia just so he can wear his flip-flops. It's all very exciting. But they don't call them that. They call them thongs over there. They call them thongs because it fits between your, your toes, doesn't it? A bit like a thong that you would wear on the beach. But mo- most Australians wear speedos because they've all got, you know, great bodies, haven't they? <laughs> what do we get? The one who doesn't have. But anyway, so no, that's neither here nor there. You know, I'm, not, I'm just saying that all the good-looking Australians are on the television programmes. The unattractive ones are over here. You know, because nobody, they, because they are shunned in Australia. It's, it is the land of beautiful people. As you know, they all wander around going good day, and they drink, and uh, most of them are gay. And then they sort of, and then some of them come over here, and we go, oh, right, so you are representative of the Australian indigenous population. Sadly not. Sadly not. They're the ones who couldn't make it in Australia as actors. Because you go in there, and it's just, they, they, they don't have an acting process. There is no audition. It's a series of mirrors with people standing next to them going, I'm sorry, you really are unattractive. And, and so they, they leave them, and so they come over here. And we were trying to explain about how various, how various things... Like my friend Stephen Milne is also from, from over there as well, but he is one of the beautiful ones. So he works on... Tele- seriously, no, I mean, I'm not... I'm, seriously, I'm not, you know, not being rude or anything like that to the, uh, to the producer, who is, uh, who, is, who is very nice. I called you a hunk yesterday, but I'd had two pieces of chocolate... You see, that's how it works if you're a diabetic. And if, I, if I'd had jelly babies, you would be the most stunning man since Samson and Ulysses. But uh, it, it's not the case. Not the case at all, is it, really? But he's, he's very nice. He's very sweet. And he's actually, in his own funny little Australian way, he's actually quite funny. You know, we sort of... We sort of he'd never eaten until the other day. I was telling a friend of mine yesterday, he'd never eaten a pork pie. So I, and he, I'm not too convinced that he actually enjoyed it, but he, he did eat a piece of it, didn't you? But he, I brought him in a Melton Mowbray pork pie. It cost like over a pound. You know, I'm like pushing the boat out. And, and he, first of all, he unwraps it because it was sealed. And then he smells the pastry. Typical Australians. They've got to smell everything before they put it in their mouth. And so he, sort of, he smells the pastry. Then he cuts a little sliver off and then he smells the filling. I thought, just put it in your mouth and eat it. Because so, if you remember the other day, he didn't do twiglets. But then I suppose he, he doesn't do Vegemite which is what we, we have Marmite, they have Vegemite over there. And so he was trying to explain to me, you know, we don't have pork. I thought they'd have pork pies in Australia, but obviously it's obviously not something that sort of picks up. And he, he, ate, he ate it and he was sort of, I could see that secretly he was trying to get rid of it out of his mouth because it was sort of, he didn't, you didn't enjoy it that much, did you? It was okay. It was all right, but you'd not be having it again. 
Maybe. Oh, maybe. There you go. If you buy it for me, Steve. Yes, of course I will. Take anything for free. You know, it's... <laughs> but of course, I didn't know he was going to be here this morning. It's only through, uh, through illness. And normally I supply him with sort of a bit of fruit or something like that. It's all a bit exciting. Likes a bit of melon in the morning. Cheers you up as you're coming to the end of a shift. Uh, they also, Stephen says, don't have Yorkshire puddings. You don't have Yorkshire puddings in Australia. No, you don't. Stephen, Stephen, no, you don't. Stephen's just told me you don't. You don't have Yorkshire puddings. So there you go. Which is quite, I love them as well. I love it. I like a big Yorkshire pudding filled with mincemeat and carrots and things like that. That's quite nice. No, just me again. Uh, LBC News time. What's the time now? 4.30 with the latest headlines. Here's Paul Smith. A glob- Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. There you go. Now we've discovered you can't get Yorkshire puddings in Australia and you can't get pork pies. Perhaps it's a typically British thing, isn't it? There must be another name for it. I mean, so, surely somebody in, in Australia must have come up with the idea of pastry with some meat inside it and things like that. Perhaps you don't have... Do you have pies over there, Stephen? I don't know. I mean, you know, over here, I think we have a, a fairly good selection of food. But in fact, I, I did ask him the other day. We were having a chat about it. And I said, if I went to Australia, which I've not been... Uh, what sort of food would I get? Is there anything which is peculiar to Australia? And he couldn't think of anything. He said, we've got Chinese and Indian and, you know, fusion or whatever it happens to be and, you know, do exactly the same things that you get here. But there is nothing that is typically Australian, whereas we say something British would be roast beef and Yorkshire pudding or, you know, going out for a pub lunch or fish and chips. Uh, I'm trying to think what else would be British. Ham and cheese sandwiches, ham, cheese and pickle, scotch eggs, and things like that. So that, that, that's what I would think would be something that would be typically British. But there is nothing that is particularly, particularly Australian. There's no food. I mean, unless, it, you know, you include a lot of fish or something like that. And then we were trying to decide whether or not, if I went to Australia, what would I go there for? And he said, well, you know, it'd be the typical things. But the touristy things would be Ayers Rock. Uh, it would be um, going out to the Great Barrier Reef. It would be looking at the Sydney Opera House, seeing a bit of the outback. And that's about it. Everything. They're all over here. There's nobody. It's like Poland is empty. The borders. There's, you know, there's sort of leaves blowing down. There's nobody over there. They're all over here. All over here, over there, you know, it's very difficult. People don't make as much money as they do over here. So uh, so I'm very pleased that, uh, that we've got Stephen with us this morning, which is good. Pies are very popular uh, at the football. Oh, right, like, I mean, do you have pasties? Because a pasty was originally invented, the, the Cornish pasty, for workmen to go out for the day. And that was their, that was their day's meal. It was encased in pastry. And it was, uh, I don't think it was mincemeat originally. I thought it was potato and carrot and stuff like that. But there used to be this place on Fleet Street when LBC was, was on Fleet Street in Gough Square. And it was called Gloriettes. And it was a forerunner, really, to Patisserie Valerie. But they did the best pasties. I mean, I can't... I mean, they were just... They would fall apart. And you'd, you'd shove in this pasty in your mouth. It was just delicious. Really, really delicious. And uh, as I say, I miss things like that. Uh, I do miss Captain Birdseye, but they've got a new one. They've got a new Captain Birdseye. They decided to resurrect him. Uh, this is Mitch Cummins, who's going to take on the role advertising Fish Fingers, made famous by Don Hewer in the 1960s. Previously, South African Mitch, who is 68, had spent his entire working life in an IT job at a fishery. But he looks the part. He's got the beard. That's what they want. I mean, he could either be Captain Birdseye or Father Christmas. Doesn't really make too much difference. But obviously... And he's also just admitted, he said, I do get seasick. 
I get seasick. <laughs> Which, of course, it doesn't actually matter. They don't actually have to go out fishing for these things. It's just, it's only part of a of a sort of a deal to try and flog kids' fish fingers. Now, I personally love fish fingers. It's now become quite quite arty food, has it? If you go into a pub and they do a fish finger sandwich or a fish finger roll or something, you go, wow. That's like comfort food. It's, it's what kids have. It's like, you know, a nice simple food for us as kids. Egg and chips. Egg and chips, you know. And that would fill you up. And then for pudding, a yoghurt. And we'd be filled up on egg and chips. But not chips bought. My mother would make chips. She would get the potatoes, cut the potatoes, you know, and fry them. She had a little fry pan thing with a little basket that went into it. And so she'd make egg and chips. She did, my mum's a brilliant cook. I thought she was brilliant. My friend Helena's very good. She's another one of these people who's lovely. She's just had a new kitchen put in. And I'm always intrigued as to how much people spend on kitchens. And so I said, I said... How much have you spent on the kitchen? Normally, people don't don't tell me things like this. And she told me, and I nearly fell off the sofa. No, it was cheaper than 30 grand. I've heard of that. I mean, if you go to somebody like Smallbone of Devices or Clive Christian, these things can cost up to £100,000 and more. She spent 18000 on a kitchen. See, I thought, that's an awful lot of money. But she loves it. She absolutely loves it. She, she says it's the best thing ever. They've done the floor. She's got all her appliances in there. It's, it's, she's really happy with it because she spends a lot of time in the kitchen. Whereas, you know, you go into most houses. I remember years ago getting a quote on a house for the kitchen when British Gas used to do them. And the quote was £1,600. It was just as well I never went for it because we were going to do it on the, uh, on the repayment scheme. And the person I was sharing a house with, we, we, we kind of parted. Well, he went that way and I stayed where I was. And uh, so I didn't have £1,600, but £18,000 on a kitchen. But if you really like something, then why not? Do, if it makes you happy, why not do it? You know, for me, it's, it's having a nice car. Uh, for her, it's having a, a really, really nice kitchen. But uh, £18,000. But uh, Have you had a kitchen put in then, Reese? because you, you threw thirty grand in? No. It's half the, Exactly. I mean, that's ridiculous, isn't it? It is absolutely ridiculous. Half the price of the flat. <laughs> uh, Steve, says Dave, they eat kangaroo steaks. Oh, right. And then somebody else has said that they have something called a pie floater. I've got no idea what on earth that is. Is there something? It sounds a bit dodgy, doesn't it? Uh, James says... Um, On the subject of being awake through the night, Darren was talking about it. He said, I'd say you're a night person, like myself. Uh, No, not really. I look at this as daytime. Even though when Clive walked in this morning, because we had had illness and so people got to come in and cover, he went, oh, my God, what time is this? Because it's a few hours in advance of what he would... I should imagine now you'd probably be... Would you be getting up at this time, or you'd be up by now? Just be out of the shower at this time, you see. So that's, that's how it works. See, for us, you know, we've been, I mean, I've been awake for four hours, four and a bit hours now. So I see this as, I don't see this as, as a night time. I see this as 20 to 5. London has, has come alive. All the delivery lorries are out there. The buses are running all night. Uh, the trains will be coming out. And, uh, and London just, just sort of explodes. So by the time you get to, like, you know, five o'clock, it's all running as normal. The traffic is busy. I mean, that's always busy in London. Always busy. So, do I know what time I was born? Not a clue. Does that make a difference, what time you were born? I don't know what time I was born. I don't even... Um, no, I don't know anything about things like that. I've never been interested, to be honest with you. I couldn't really care less. Uh, the billion-dollar wedding, they've said in the Daily Star, which, of course, is absolute rubbish. They said it cost a billion. No, it didn't. Why do they tell lies? Is it because they think that the people who read the paper are particularly stupid and are going to buy into the fact that a wedding cost a billion? Uh, this is uh, some bloke 
who made his money in oil and media. And uh, they say he spent $694 million for his son Saeed's wedding to a student. Guests arrived in luxury limos, including Rolls Royces and Bentleys. The, the venue was covered in exotic flowers and fairy lights. Listen, this is not, a, you know, a billion-dollar wedding or £694 million. They had Sting performing. Well, even if you paid Sting a million, and he wouldn't go for a million, he's not, he's not interesting enough. Uh, also, Enrique Iglesias and Jennifer Lopez. Well, just supposing that was three million. Are you telling me 691 million went on this tatty old venue? You're joking. Don't tell lies. Don't tell lies. It's ridiculous. You know, here they say... And also, you can tell this is a lie, because the wedding dress, of which we mentioned yesterday on the programme, only cost 18,000. Well, that's roughly equivalent to my big fat gypsy wedding. They spend 20 grand on a dress. So quite clearly very cheap and embarrassing for this poor girl. But it was a beautiful dress and it was classy. But it was 18,000 quid and it was just studied. So, so in other words, 18,000 on that, you're telling me 690 million pounds went on this wedding. Blatant lies. But they do tell lies. It's like here, we've got uh, Essex girl, Billy Fahiz. Have you ever heard her talk? Oh, God, it's so embarrassing. So embarrassing. Anyway, she's got a new range of bikinis for big boob girls just like her. Well, in fact, she's not big boobed at all. She's just she's just sort of some poor girl. She's just fairly average for Essex. And so they say here she struggled to find swimwear. She's a bit dim, of course. They've been making swimwear for sort of big busted girls for donkey's years. But of course, being a bit thick and uh, still not married, are we, Billy? We're hoping actually maybe your child might have a father at some point. But there again, that's your business. And so she decided... To, uh, to design her own range to flatter her fabulous figure. She's airbrushed within an inch of her life, you can tell. And uh, she designed her... My goodness me, what a talent that you've had hidden for all these years, love. And there's us just thinking you were struggling to speak English. But no, she can design bikinis. How amazing. So she's got her own available collection. How lovely. That's for all you big-chested girls out there who want to buy into this garbage. It's bikinis for big boob girls. Imagine. Look at you being really clever and intelligent. I don't think so, love. I don't think so. You designed a bikini. You don't look as though you can write your own name in crayon, let alone design a bikini. God in heaven. Why do they do that? It's a, are we supposed to then go, my God, she's really a businesswoman? We're still, still worrying, aren't we, about where, where Gemma Collins has gone to? Do you, think she's having, do you think she's having a body resculpturing or something? Because she's disappeared completely. Luckily, she's not appeared on anything. And, um, and it's just, uh, it just, just disappeared. I don't know where, where she's gone to, actually. It must be somewhere. Anyway, as long as she stays there, that's, uh, that's very good. Uh, somebody says here, I don't know where this came from, actually. Somebody's saying, a radio presenter's had a heart bypass on the NHS. Should the taxpayer have to pay for such a lifestyle choice? A radio presenter would actually has actually a heart bypass. What's the matter whether it's a radio presenter or or anything else? A heart bypass isn't a lifestyle choice. Never has been. That's just standard. Everybody can get that. Are you only saying it's for poor people to have the NHS, whereas we've all been paying into it for years? Have you ever heard of that? Have you ever heard of that? Of course not. Let me say a lifestyle choice. Oh, I think I'll have a heart bypass because that's my lifestyle choice. Very interesting. And uh, Rudy says, I used to be the owner of Gloriettes in Fleet Street and I remember you. You can't do. I was far more attractive in those days. Far more attractive. In fact, I bear no resemblance at all to the uh, to the person who used to go into uh, into Gloriettes. And uh, Sue Ann says, please no talk about food. Recovering from the dentist. And... Um, and says, would love a new kitchen, 18,000. That is, you know, if you're having, I mean, I look in country, I, I get country life every week, so I love looking at beautiful photographs of people's property and trying to work out, 
you know, if you, if you go to Lincolnshire, for example, and you're spending £600,000, you can buy a mansion. Come down to Surrey and Berkshire, and you can't buy a mansion for that, unless it's in dreadful need of completely doing up. And so, uh, so a lot of people don't buy them. They, they prefer to go a little bit further out, get a lot more bang for your bucks, as it were. So I love looking through. But I see the adverts for Clive Christian Kitchens. And a friend of mine years and years ago, years and years ago, spent £40,000 on a kitchen. I mean, I couldn't believe that you could ever spend £40,000. But you can. If you're going for solid wood kitchens, as opposed to the, the sort of kitchens you get nowadays, which are melamine, and they've got those impression things in there, and you put the little clips in, and the doors fall off after about six months. They put cheap kitchens in. They call them shaker-style kitchens. But if you go to Clive Christian, or um, or any of these, Smallbone of Devices, any of these super companies, and that's only the two I can think of, there are loads of other really super kitchen companies. And kitchens can be £100,000. I mean, seriously, depending on what appliances you've got in it, and depending on exactly how many kitchen cupboards you've got, easily 100,000, because the cabinets come in. As opposed to in most flats, they come in flat pack, and somebody's got to assemble it and screw it together, but they're just melamine over, like, a chipboard kind of thing. So if you've actually got a proper wood cabinet, you pay for it. It can be, you know, at least eight or £900 just, just for one of these, these cabinets. If you've got three, you can understand how the money racks up, can't you? You know, the money racks up quite a lot. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Uh, on the subject of Australian food, I'm beginning to wonder if your producer is really Australian, says uh, says Jen, who could be Kenneth. I don't know, I get, I get quite used to transgender people writing to me on this programme. He says he should know more about his home country. He must have led a, a very sheltered life. Maybe he comes from where the crows fly backwards. He should know what that means. A pie floater is a meat pie in a dish of pea soup. Oh, my God. Sounds disgusting. That's what they call typical Australian food, is it? A lamington, a small cube of sponge cake covered in melted chocolate and then covered in desiccated coconut. A lamington. Good. A pie floater and a lamb. Pea soup. Oh, dear Lord. Small wonder they're all over here. Listening to this programme, you imagine what Australian radio must sound like at this time of the morning. OK, everybody, so today, pie floater. Uh, Sheila's here. You got a tinny with you, Sheila? Welcome to the breakfast on sort of Oz AM. I've heard Australian radio, actually. Some of it's really quite worrying. 14 minutes to five. This is LBC. Leading Britain's conversation. Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. It's uh, 11 minutes to five. Uh, Stephen Milne tells me that a pie floater is horrid, but lamingtons are lovely. <laughs> it's a brilliant accent. <laughs> you see, the funny, but that's but that's so uh, two items. That's all we've come up with. This is sort of this is for uh, this is for Australians. A pie floater is a meat pie in a dish of pea soup. What is the point of that? I mean, I don't. What's it? so? It's a pie in a dish of pea soup. I mean. I don't, just don't quite understand. Isn't that the same as our pies? Only we have gravy in them and you have pea soup in there. And pea soup is about the most boring thing you could ever have. And a lamington. I mean, this is obviously... It's called a lamington. We don't know why it's called a lamington. A small cube of sponge cake covered in melted chocolate and then covered in desiccated coconut. It sounds really complicated to make, doesn't it? It's like... Uh, it's what you made today. Ah, oh, today, Steve, we made lamingtons. Oh, right. And, that, and that's what, dear? That's uh, a sponge cake and then we just pour chocolate over it uh, Mylene pours chocolate over it and then we roll it in desiccated coconut over here we call them coconut pyramids only we do them with jam so you make a sponge pyramid and then you paint it with uh, what jam do we used to use? it might have been 
It might have been peach jam or something like that. Apricot apricot jam. Apricot jam. And it was something that was orangey. I couldn't remember what, the, what an apricot was. Paint it with apricot jam, which my mother used to make, and then roll it in desiccated coconuts. And then you shove it in your mouth. They were quite nice, but I mean, I wouldn't call that a national dish. Mind you, over in Australia, that's all they've got. Two national dishes. It's not very exciting, is it, really? But, you know, it's, you know, good idea, I suppose. Uh, my friend has a very small kitchen, says Linda, and says, and hasn't managed to get a quote for a completely new one for under 10 grand, even for the cheapest units. Australia has everything you need to eat. You can buy kangaroo meat here. Go, though, it's beautiful. Lots to see and do. Like, like what? All anybody's ever come up with is Ayers Rock, which changes colour. Big deal. You know, I've had drunken nights where things have changed colour. And uh, and they've got the Great Barrier Reef, very pretty, but, you know, I've seen the Jacques Cousteau programmes and anything to do with, you know, water on the television. I've got the DVDs. Why do I want to fly all that way? It's so many hours on a plane. You know, and and, and as I say, all the beautiful ones are in, are in television, and then we, we've got all the other ones, with the exception, of course, of Stephen Milne. I do beg your pardon on that one, because he is stunningly attractive. And that's why he's on television over here. And uh, another one here, on the subject, somebody says, you've ever been to Cornwall, says Mark. Yes, of course, as kids, that's where we went on holidays. You went to Cornwall. We used to go to a place called Mevagissi, which, uh, the only reason we were sort of tempted down to Cornwall, we were like most British families. We had a caravan. I know, do all the jokes about caravanning. But it was the cheap British holiday. Nobody had gone abroad. Nobody had ever gone abroad before. You know, Spain was very much in its infancy. So we had holidays in our caravan. We had a little Sprite musketeer, which hooked onto the back of our Hillman minks. And off we would go to Cornwall or Devon or wherever it happened to be. And you'd book into a caravan site. You'd get the caravanning club book. You'd go through it and go, right, we're going to go there. Let's stay there. That's got some nice facilities. And you would hope that there'd be kids for you to play with. But there always were on the caravan sites. And, um, and at some point they'd have a... Um, a bingo night where there'd be soup and stuff like that. It was all life was a bit simpler then. It really was. Now it's so complicated. People go away on holiday. People go away. They go miles away, don't they? They take cases and they've got this and they've got to take your shaver and you've got to plug in and and it's and it just seems so complicated now. Life, I'm sure, years ago was very much simpler and worked very well. So we had our little caravan and uh, we'd sit there and we'd play cards if it rained and if it didn't rain, then we'd go out and play outside. So, yes, we went there, and then we'd go off and do some of the tourist things. It was nice. It was it was good fun. It really was good fun. Uh, somebody sent me um, a link, Vic, thank you very much indeed, for the, the Aussie Pie Shop, which is called Pie Face. The Aussie Pie... I'm, I'm tempted to link onto it, actually, just to find out what, what in goodness those names they're actually selling here. So, they've got a menu... Oh, right. They used to do lots of pies. So, it's Pie Face... And they've got uh, handcrafted ov- oven fresh. There's something about pies, aren't there? We've actually got a new bakery that's opening up very shortly in uh, Twickenham. We haven't had a bakery. We have Greg's. But somebody told me that Greg's were doing away with their bread and they're only going to sell food now. They're only going to sell fast food for the, you know, so pasties and stuff like that. And they've closed down, or they are closing down, the bakery for Greg's in Twickenham. That's where a lot of the, the stuff comes from. They do the sausage rolls and everything else. So we've got the lorries thundering through, uh, through, through town. They're doing away with that. So we don't have a place that's going to be selling bread apart from the supermarket. We do have another bakery, but it's, it's about £3.75 for, uh, for a loaf of bread, which some people say is too much. It's all right if it's a family, if it's, if it's just, you know, you by yourself. So they, they do all sorts of things. They do... See, I love a sausage roll, but a proper sausage roll. You know, a proper sausage roll. And they've got one here. This is a... Here we go. This is a, an Aussie favourite. An Aussie favourite is a beef sausage roll. 
And it's made with 100% Aussie beef, seasoned with garlic, tomato, carrot, onion and cracked black pepper encased in flaky puff pastry. They also do a lamb and rosemary one, 100% Aussie lamb with onion, garlic, oregano, we call it oregano, uh, rosemary and zucchini. And then they do a maxi beef sausage roll, which is upsize an Aussie classic to a maxi made with 100% Aussie beef, seasoned with garlic, tomato, carrot and onion, encased in flaky pastry. Sounds quite nice, doesn't it, actually? I'm, 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 I'm tempted with that one already. I, I like the idea, actually, of having a... Pro- I just want a sausage in a roll. I don't want sausage meat. Seems a bit selfish, doesn't it? But I, I do want just a sausage in either in a roll or in a piece of flaky pastry. I'm making myself quite hungry again this way. I always do this, don't I? I always make myself very, uh, very, uh, very uh, sort of hungry at this time of the morning. Lenin Bishop Stortford says you can get kangaroo burgers in Iceland and other unusual foods. Yes, I mean, I, I can't imagine, though, because you look at the people who shop in Iceland. I don't want to denigrate them in any way because I, I've been into Iceland and bought things. But they don't look like the sort of people who are going to go for kangaroo burgers, you know, or venison. But I'm sure they must. Because otherwise they wouldn't be selling it, would they? But it's always very interesting to find out what the different supermarkets sell. I mean, I I quite like that idea that they've sort of branched out. I think it's a very good idea. Uh, Steve, back in January, my parents had a new kitchen, bathroom, downstairs toilet and doors fitted to all rooms. How lovely. How lovely. And uh, Mina says, I used to work with an Australian girl. She told me the chocolate bars there. More oil, less milk. Uh, and the other one here is pork pies heated with either oxtail or mulligatawny soup, says Maggie. Actually, strangely enough, it's uh, you're not wrong with the heating up of a pork pie because we were told the other day uh, about pork pies that were that were heated up. And I remember thinking a heated up pork pie. So when I gave it to the producer the other day uh, and he sort of he said, are you not heating it up? And I went, no. I didn't, I didn't think I was supposed to be heating it up. And, uh, and he said, oh, yeah, you can actually have it, have it heated up. Phil Vickery said, you know, warm pork pies are quite nice. And I thought, oh, so I've never heard of that before. Never heard of that at all. But uh, luckily, Stephen Milner sent me a photo. I wonder what he sent me a photo of. Actually, nothing here at the moment. Perhaps I don't. Oh, I do have it. Oh, it's, oh that's what it looks like. This is this lamington. It just looks like a little, little cube of sponge. Coated in desiccated coconut. Well, chocolate and then the coconut. So it's exactly the same as the coconut pyramids. The pie floater, as he said, is horrid and he'd know. He's obviously very fussy about things like that, that he pops in his mouth. Um, the other story which we're running with the, uh, with the papers today uh, is the hijacker's wife. This is the man who said, how else am I going to go and get to see her? So he hijacks a plane with a fake belt on and everybody goes into meltdown because he's cost them a small fortune. There is no truth in the rumour that Egypt have asked for him to go back. I think you just put him in prison. Leave him there. Leave him there. You know, nobody, nobody cares about him at all. Uh, the outcry, which Nick Ferrari is going to be doing this morning about the brothers who tortured their, their bulldog, uh, which had to be put down, avoid prison. They stamped on him. I mean, I don't quite understand and I'm, I'm harbouring horrible thoughts against them for people that can do that to an animal that has no idea. You know, the whole idea of, with having an animal is to build up a, a bond. It's a bond of trust, isn't it, between the dog and, and the human being. You only get badly behaved dogs if you've got badly behaved owners. And these two stood on it. They uh, picked it up, swung it round by its tail. This dog must have just wanted it to end. Just, you know, you see these horrendous things on the television where people, supposedly animal lovers, have got so many animals, they're living in their own excrement and urine and they go in there and try and rescue them. And some of these animals have to be put down. These people are supposedly animal lovers, animal haters, 
and all haters they are. It's absolutely disgusting. It really is. It's also a dreadful picture in the uh, in the paper today of two prisoners kneeling in a street in Iraq, about to be beheaded by some Neanderthal bloke standing behind them. Who twi- I mean, it's just absolutely awful. Absolutely dreadful. You can't quite understand the mentality of these people. I think mental would probably actually cover them quite well. And, uh, and the, the couple barred from their honeymoon suite because they lost their key. I didn't know people had keys in hotels. I thought it was all touch cards. And even if you walk away with it, they just reprogram another one in. It's like, I have a little pass here. It's a little tiny bit of plastic. And it's obviously got some chip inside it. I don't know how it works. But every time I go through a door here, uh, or every time I, I go through somewhere, it flashes up my picture on the computer. When I walk through from reception, my picture, when I use my pass against the door, comes up on the computer. So they can literally follow you throughout the building. So if anything dreadful happens, they can see exactly where you went. Because there's so many cameras in this building. I mean, just here, there's three in this studio. Well, in between the two of us. So, so people can keep an eye on us and make sure we're OK. Because anyway, you know, you don't want anything disastrous to happen to people, do you? And uh, one here says, I absolutely love your show. People seem to forget the most important thing, why they would move or travel to Australia, the sun. Many places have 320 sunny days in the year. Yet, see, sun would not be good for me. I don't like the sun at all, so that's another good reason for not going. 40 quid, they tell me, to slash the mileage on cars, and it's not against the law. Who's returning to the X Factor? Well, thank goodness, in about time, they finally heeded our advice. Louis Walsh. I love the way Simon goes, oh, I'm delighted to have him back again. This is his programme. Are you telling me that he didn't have anything to do with him going in the first place? They thought Nick Grimshaw could save them. No, killed it stone dead. Uh, The hen party for a dog, £6,000. And also the one in three who spend their pay in just one week. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Thursday, the 31st of March. It's the end of the month and we head into April. And what does April bring? Showers. What have we had? Almost permanently showers. Rain. Oh, dreadful weather up and down the country. Uh, the Brit who posed with the hijacker, who turned out not to be a hijacker, just a very silly person, gets an ear bashing from his mother. I mean, the man, I can't believe what this man... I'll tell you what he does for a living very, very shortly. They call it a selfie. He wasn't doing a selfie at all. Somebody was taking a photograph, but of course, never let that spoil a good story. Uh, Kay Burley. I've got to tell you this story. She wrote something about going out to the Chilton Firehouse and spending £130 on a bottle of average wine, which she didn't like and said she wouldn't be back. Well, that started the Twitterers. Oh, goodness me, they laid into £130 for a bottle of wine. And and you think to yourself, these people must be living in a little bubble, their own little tiny bubble, that you'd even bother to write to somebody about the fact that she had a very average bottle of wine at 130 quid, Because that's retail price, as you know, the markup on wine and spirits in restaurants is astronomical. That could be, you know, a 30-quid bottle of wine, quite easily. And, well, I wouldn't spend 30 quid on a bottle of wine, but, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't knock somebody because they did. But you want to see the abuse that she got from people. Oh, you champagne, this and that. And you think, you need to get a, open your eyes. These people are a bit dim, of course. It's not their fault they're a bit stupid. Because you need to go out to restaurants. You know, you think 130 quid is a lot for a bottle of wine. You need to you need to go out to Claridge's. You need to go out to half the London hotels. There was one group of bankers. Do you remember? They went to a Gordon Ramsay restaurant some years ago now. And they spent £60,000 on wine. 
in a lunchtime setting. £60,000. So £130, it makes poor old Kay Burley look cheap. 60 grand. Are these people, do you think they wrote to Gordon Ramsay going, why have you got these really expensive wines here? We are poor people. But of course they can afford to bore the pants off everybody droning on. So she wrote to them, you know, wrote, wrote back. She's always very good at writing back to people going, simpletons. Uh, which kind of sums them up. Why would anybody worry about what somebody spends in a restaurant? It was just absolutely hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. Uh, Steve. £3.75 for a loaf of bread is incredible daylight robbery. No, it's not actually. That's actually particularly good. That's actually particularly good. This is, you know, this is not mass-produced bread. This is, this is a proper baker's. Proper, proper baker's. And people will spend it. But it's, the, the, the pound you pay in a supermarket for a loaf of bread, that's real rubbish bread. That's not proper bread. That's aerated faff. That's nothing at all. You know, I mean, p- people will pay three seventy-five, and we're going to get this new bakery next to Paul Cooper's place, and uh, and they do nice bread and they do proper sausage rolls. Uh, Steve, a Hillman Minx and a Sprite Musketeer. OMG! All we had was a Vauxhall Viva and a Sprite Four Hundred. Ah, uh, peasants, peasants. Uh, we we were we were good. We were good. We were good. Although we still had uh, Caligas to uh, to light the place. <laughs> we had to go to sleep standing up in a Sprite 400. Well, in our one, it had a double bed and the end where the table was, the table folds down and that makes another double bed. So two double beds with a curtain across there. And we seemed to manage quite well. You know, we didn't we didn't think it was unusual because everybody else in the country was uh, was was caravanning, which I thought was actually qu- quite funny because I loved it. So I, I thought it was a great thing to do. So front pages of the papers, the some of the stories are, are good in the papers. There's some horrendous. I'm, I'm, I'm always amazed at how much the papers can get away with uh, and showing you pictures which could traumatise some people. I mean, seriously traumatise people. Nigel Farage talking to the Express today talks about uh, the EU raising the risk of migrant sex gang attacks. Well, we're seeing this all over. You know, we have, we pointed out to you the other day, we told you that there's more than 65 uh, convicted rapists and paedophiles and murderers in this country who we can't get rid of. They can carry on murdering and raping and, uh, and we can't do anything about it. It's absolutely ludicrous. I don't know what we've, uh, we've got here. Go to the courts. See who's clogging up the courts nowadays. You'd be quite surprised, or not, as the case may be. And the hopes are fading now for a state rescue of the steel jobs after the Indian threat to quit the UK. They're not going to save it. The government have already said that. Save it for what? They're, they're, they're a business. They're looking to be competitive. They can't be uh, competitive in this country. So thousands of people. We saw it with the miners. You see it all over the place. We saw it with Grunwick. We've, I've seen so many over the years. And eventually... Areas sort of pull themselves slightly back together. Go, go see Billy Elliot. Go see Billy Elliot. I'll tell you all about the miners' strike. Everything you need to know. That finishes very shortly. I think the ninth of April is their last uh, performance. Best show ever. Is it? Yes. Oh, so did you like it? Oh, Clive, Clive loved it. I tell you, have you seen Billy Elliot live? Not, not the DVD. The DVD is fantastic. Oh, the DVD is fantastic. I'll have to bring it in for you. It's. You must get it. It's, abs- it's absolutely brilliant because what they do is they do the show, but it's filmed and they beamed it around to cinemas. But at the very end of it, they bring on all the billies. It's, re- it's really good. And the- it's fantastic because the kid who actually plays, they're all brilliant. But this particular guy in this one, he's just where they get their energy from. They are unbelievable, aren't they? Really good. Have you seen Matilda? You need to go see Matilda. That's very good as well. But Billy Elliot is the one for me. Great songs, great, uh, great sentiment, uh, great dancing, great enthusiasm, great everything. 
Just great everything. Oh, Elton John will be there, won't he, for the last night? He's in all the papers at the moment, isn't he? Uh, especially after that uh, that bodyguard who was with him for years in America and then claimed, as we heard yesterday, and Nick Ferrari was telling you about it as well, that, you know, Elton had groped him and tweaked his nipples and things like that. And I thought to myself, but isn't that just a bit of banter or is that just not banter anymore? You know, I mean, you know, I wouldn't do it now, but I'm not saying... I mean, nowadays you're frightened to put your arms around somebody, aren't you? Because they might go, uh, I think that's unwarranted attention. And you think, oh, really? I thought that was just being nice. You know, I mean, quite clearly, if you want to sort of stick your hand down the front of somebody's trousers, you know, but I can't understand why Elton would ever want to do that anyway. He's 69. He's 69 and he's got a very loving partner. They seem to be quite loving, don't they? For what we can see. And um, and so why he'd want to sort of play up to a... A, a, a bodyguard? I've got no idea. Whole new look for the pound in your pocket. It's to stop people uh, duplicating it. So they've now made it 12-sided. Makes it more, more complicated for the fraudsters because they reckon that at any one time, if you've got a pocket full of pound coins, uh, more than a third of them will be fakes. There's so many of them in the country now. Fakes and uh, and, you, and you can tell because when you go to put them through a machine, they come straight back out again. And that'll be because it's a fake. And they make them very well. I always, every three months, something like that, I generally, I save all my change every day. And I put it into a big glass jar, like a, like a spaghetti jar. And then I take it up to one of these coin star machines. And I pour it in there. And I've generally got, the most I've ever had, <laughs> stupid though it sounds, is £430 in change. You can imagine, I take it up in carrier bags, pour it into the machine, and you have to pay for them to change it into real money. But I can't be bothered to sit down there and bag it up. I've got better things to do. And I, I have done that. I've sat there with bags. For, you go to the uh, to the bank and you go, can I have some bags? They go, do you bank with us? Oh, God, I was just give me the bags, love, please. It's only a bit of plastic. And so you sit there bagging it up and you've got to count them. Oh, it's so consuming. So I pour it into the Coinstar machine. On average, it's about 230 quid in change. And that's always very useful. Always very useful to have. But the amount of pound coins that goes straight, straight through the system. So what you do is you know that they're fake. You just pass them on to somebody else. It's like I've never had a fake note. I've never had a fake fiver or tenner or twenty or anything like that. I've seen a few, but I've never, ever had one. However, I'm going to share a secret with you this morning uh, as to how you can live longer. Now, you might not want to live longer. You might be one of these people who goes, you know, I really do not want to live to 100. But there is a, a village here and they've got 300 centurions. So 300 people have lived to 100. It's about, uh, about 2,000 inhabitants. And what is the secret? Uh, this, this village is called uh, Acciaroli. And uh, it's very nice. It's in Italy. It's quite near Naples. Well, you know, if you're strapped to Concord, it's quite near Naples. And what is the secret to people living to 100? Rosemary. Apparently, the herb rosemary is the way forward. It's famed, this particular place, because Italian women make things and they make pasta here. And uh, Acciaroli on the map is famed for its healthy diet. And the healthy diet would inc- include things infused with rosemary, which they believe has healing properties. So if you want to live a long time, rosemary. I don't know what you shove it into. I love the smell of it absolutely adore the smell of rosemary. I mean, absolutely, really not. I mean, really, really lovely. Actually, really lovely. But what you put it in, I don't know, because I don't do lamb. I can't do lamb, as you know. It makes it has, a, has an adverse reaction to me. Uh, no remorse from the Egyptian hijacker, because he's not all there in the real world. 
you know, he's a bit stupid. He's 59, but he's a bit simple. And um, he, want to, he, he hijacked this passenger plane in a bid to see his ex-wife. Uh, she doesn't want to see him. She wants nothing. And quite clearly, you know why? Because he's mad. He's quite clearly mad. Uh, there's also here... Uh, this is... Oh, I can't do that one. Uh, there's some very odd people. It's the, they were complaining the other day about the aftercare service. For people who are in the, uh, the last stages of life, they say... And they, they did a survey in, I think, 142 hospitals. And it turned out there was just a very small handful that did look after people properly. Because when you're getting to the, uh, to the end of your life... You know, you're looking for people to provide the best care for you. And apparently we don't get the best care. So they're hoping the NHS, which costs a small fortune to run, is hoping to sort of uh, tighten up its act. Whether it does it, I don't know. Virginia Blackburn, writing in the Express today, says, I loved that picture of Ben Innes beaming alongside the hijacker. We now know that Mustafa appears to be a bit of a harmless nutter. But we didn't when the photo was taken. He might have been a psychotic maniac. I'd have been with that passenger crawling out the cockpit window, but not good old Ben. Honesty makes you proud to be Brit. You are stupid. You're the man's an idiot, Virginia. Blimey, if you can't see that, you must be the only one out of step with everybody. He's a complete and utter idiot. That's why his mummy's giving him a good slap round the back of his legs. Because he's a buffoon. He's as stupid as the hijacker. God, blimey, honestly. Uh, Winston Churchill's grandson is having a go at everyone from Robert Peston for his dress sense to fellow Tories who want out of the EU. So they say, so what's eating fatty Soames? This is a very good friend of Prince Charles, grandson of Winston Churchill. This is 68-year-old Sir Nicholas Soames. It was once said, there was a, a joke made about him by a comedian who said, making love to Nicholas Soames must be like a double wardrobe falling on you with a very small key still in the lock. So that kind of summed it up. Chip your dog. You know you've got to do it. You know you've got to do it. It's a £500 fine. If you've not done it by next Wednesday and you get caught out, you're in big trouble. Big trouble. So I can only tell you to go and do it. It's going to cost you between £20 and £30. And don't say you can't afford it, because if you can't afford it, you shouldn't be having a dog in the first place. Uh, And also, if people wear dark clothes, apparently it is a clue to their dark mood. See, I wear... I don't think they're dark clothes. I think dark clothes would be black. You think these are dark? You think it's dark? Not really, is it? It's, it's sort of fairly OK. It's all right. Let's, I don't know what this says about me, actually. It's not a Tommy Bahama, no. <laughs> they do. I have got a Tommy Bahama black shirt, but it's got, uh, it's got some nice patterns on it as well. I should have never bought the things in the first place. No, seriously, I'd love them. I love them. It's, uh, what have we got? It's uh, quarter past five. Nick Ferrari, our breakfast this morning. The family of Jean-Charles de Menendez lose the fight for police officers to be prosecuted after he was mistaken for a suicide bomber on the London Underground and shot dead in 2005. Does the ruling now exonerate the Met and is it a fair result for the family? And two brothers who headbutted and jumped on a bulldog before throwing the animal down the stairs escaped jail, despite the fact the dog had to be put down should they have been tried for murder. A little bit dramatic. Uh, Nick Ferrari from Seven, after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. Lucy Fisher, senior political correspondent at The Times. We're looking at the papers for today. Uh, Other stories betrayed the government's abject failure on the mirror, putting 40,000 jobs at risk. I love the way all of a sudden it's the government's problem. Uh, They're not going to to save it. They say here, uh, George Osborne is more interested in kowtowing to China than protecting a great British industry. I think if you did a survey and asked people, you particularly bothered about the uh, about the uh, the axing of the steel industry, most people are probably, when questioned on the streets, 
expressed surprise that we even had a steel industry. We haven't got a coal mining industry. We have, although I heard people talking about it with Darren Adam earlier on. Uh, we also uh, don't appear to have shipbuilding anymore. That all it all goes overseas. And the steel, which was owned uh, by a company from overseas anyway, they're just moving it presumably elsewhere. And so people have to look. We we discussed this yesterday on the programme, on whether or not there was actually a job-for-life situation anywhere in this country. And we came to the conclusion, no. There is nowhere now that could be a job-for-life. I'm trying to th- I thought this was the nearest thing, but there again, some people come into this business and, and disappear quite quickly, because this, this business very much, and certainly has changed over the years, now hinges very much on, can you get an audience? There's no point in somebody paying you because they like you or they feel sorry for you. It's, it's whether or not you can get an audience. If you get an audience, then, then that's fine. As long as you keep getting the audience, I didn't come here still. Got to be, it's not out of sympathy, believe you me. Louis Walsh, definitely not out of sympathy. We've been saying for ages, getting back on the X Factor. They never should have put um, uh, somebody like Nick Grimshaw, not telefriendly, not very good on television, useless on the X Factor, and uh, just was the wrong person. Hemorrhaged audience immediately. People of a certain age who had no idea who Nick Grimshaw was and now really couldn't care less because he came over as a complete idiot on the pro. There are certain people who work television and certain people who don't and certain people who work radio and certain people who can't work radio. It's a bit like watching Jeremy Kyle struggling with a breakfast show at the moment on the television. He can't work with another person. He shouts. He's just... He's like a rabbit caught in headlights. It's absolutely not his thing at all. He's just useless. He has no warmth. He has no cohesion with the guests. There is certainly nothing between him and and Kate Garraway. She's holding the programme together. He's just useless. Because he does the programme where people sleep with each other and they do a DNA test to discover if they really have. That's what he's famous for. He's not famous for anything else. He's famous for toothless old hags with tattoos and uh, blokes who've been in prison for cocaine addiction having sex with each other and then sort of mixing up the family traits and then they do a DNA test and the audience, boo! I'm not sure if it was in Roman times, we'd be throwing them in the arena. But it's not, so we have to put up with it. So putting him on a breakfast programme when he's got no warmth and has nothing coming out of the television is just wrong. Just wrong, wrong, wrong. And so with Louis Walsh, they have to bring him back. And uh, and so he's flown to Los Angeles to discuss a comeback deal. A source close to, to Cal said, wait for this, this is very interesting. A source close to Cal said, Simon met Dermot O'Leary in Los Angeles last week. And a few days later, he was announced as a show host. It's no coincidence, Louis is in L.A. spending time with him. If the meeting goes well and there are no last minute hitches, Louis will almost certainly be a judge again. I love they go, they say Cowell missed him. You think, well, he would have got rid of him in the first place. He owns the programme. He owns the... It's owned by his company. What you mean to say somebody goes, uh, let's actually get rid of Louis Walsh, and he doesn't have a say in it. He owns the programme. It's his company, Psycho, that make that programme. He gets paid by ITV. Nobody nobody tells him what to do on his own programme. He was the one who got rid of him to put it in and hope that Nick Grimshaw, who was hemorrhaging audience off his own programme, could try and save it. Well, he couldn't. People want Louis Walsh back because he knows what he's talking about. He's got He's got history. Nick Grimshaw's history was standing in wine bars with Harry Styles. I mean, what qualification is that? Get rid of uh, Cheryl as well. She's got to go. Bring back in Sharon Osbourne. Let's go back. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Leave it alone. These people know what they're doing. Bring back in Scary Spice. She was very good. She'd worked very well with Louis. Very well indeed. I don't think he likes Cheryl. In fact, he's made it quite clear he doesn't. But there again, nobody seems to like Cheryl at all. She sits there like some Barbie doll, and every time she opens her mouth, you feel like collapsing in laughter. She contributes nothing to the programme. What does she know? She doesn't know anything about funny. She was an, an assembled girl group 
put together. And, of course, I believe, actually, that was Louis Walsh, wasn't it, Girls Aloud? I think he looked after them, so he knows all the... Th- I mean, she can't sing. We know that. We've heard her. She seriously can't sing. New dad-to-be Ben Cohen, no job Cohen, as he's known in the business, has finally been divorced by his wife. That's who he dumped for Christina Rianoff. That's the man-eater, Christina Rianoff, who's been out with quite a lot of people. She says, I don't want to talk about being the ditched wife. Ben's getting on with his life. And, uh, and they've got their, uh, their children, which is lovely. He'll have to pay for them. For, uh, for a long, long time. But, um, but when, when he finally left, she said, oh, he's gone off with that dancer. And, of course, Christina Rianoff, who is... Uh, I mean, I don't know what she does now, but I don't know what he does. He doesn't have a job, does he? So we better find something very quickly. And so they've, uh, they've got their, uh, their divorce. Lovely. Uh, ben, who won the Channel 4 Alpine Sports Reality Show, The Jump, now runs an anti-bullying foundation. He's recently been house-hunting. Uh, Abby's rebuilding her life. And uh, she wants to climb Iceland's biggest mountain. Well, that's lovely, isn't it? Unfortunately for poor old Ben Cohen, you know, he's not going to make any money out of uh, an anti-bullying foundation. Foundation. The word foundation rings badly with me. That's where people put their money into something so that legally you don't have to pay tax. It can all go into helping the foundation out. Nancy Reagan had a foundation, but that purely buoyed her life around the world. In fact, every bunch of flowers that was delivered, it was all paid for out of the Nancy Reagan Foundation. Uh, when she first set it up, she was just using it for her own pleasure. And uh, until the, uh, the press got on it in America, and immediately she started handing out money. But uh, no, she was a tight-fisted old bag at the best of times. Uh, so the hijacker's wife, I don't want to see him. I'm so embarrassed. And the one who came back, this is poor little Ben, whose mummy went to meet him at the airport, slapped him on the back of the legs and said, go home, you're a very, very naughty boy. Talking of naughty boys, expelled from school, 30 children kicked out as appalling behaviour sores, aged four. There was one child here uh, who assaulted a teacher. She was knocked to the floor by a 12-year-old boy and kicked in the head. By a 12-year-old boy. But, of course, you can imagine what the family are like, can't you? You've seen the Jeremy Kyle show. Uh, There's also the... uh, the Archers fans, who give £80,000 to uh, an abuse charity. They've done a, a domestic abuse storyline. I can't believe the Archers are still going. It's still the same theme tune. Dun, 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 Is that still... You never heard it? <laughs> I think it's the same one, actually. I used to love it, Walter Gabriel. And I, ca- I can't do the voice, but uh, Walter Gabriel used to make me laugh and all the rest of it. And we used to listen to it because there wasn't anything. And you think, kind of, the world's moved on a little bit now. Have you looked in the mirror? You're not Elton's type. This is Sharon Osbourne, defended Elton over the sex assault, claiming the security guard suing him is far too ugly to interest the star. But he wouldn't interest him anyway, Sharon, would he? Because he's a married man. Elton's married to David Furnish. He wouldn't be looking at anybody. At- he's 69, for goodness sake. He's got a dead ferret stuck on his head. Ridiculous. And the Countryfile, Adam. I quite like Adam on Countryfile. I quite like all the presenters on Countryfile. I think they're all very, very good. Except that Ellie uh, person who really gets on everybody's nerves. She's a bit twee, I'm afraid. And I don't like twee on the television. But I quite like Adam because he's actually got... Well, in fact, now it turns out he's got a show business pedigree. Uh, his, uh, his granddad was a comedy star who was friends with Fred Astaire and George VI. Dad was a farmer who did a bit of telly. I take after him. He's, he's actually very... Very sort of easy to watch on television. He appears to be a genuine person. I quite like them, like the like the James Martins. But uh, Ellie Harrison is just irritating, really about as irritating as that girl on the one show, who they're desperately trying to make into some sort of presenter. But it's just not working at all, is it? There's a horrid picture of a man who was stabbed to death in the street. 
as his girlfriend looked on in an alleged row over a debt of £120. There's more of this going on, isn't there? This is a man who was slashed across the chest during a confrontation with a gang of four. Uh, witnesses told how Mr Rasnoli and an older friend had argued with a man minutes before three other men pulled up in a car. Uh, one witness said, you could hear them shouting, they were saying, you were supposed to give me my £120, why didn't you bring me my £120? And then these three men turned up in a car and they all get into an argument. One of them slashed him across the chest. Um, absolutely dreadful. I mean, his girlfriend had been waiting in the car across the road and uh, he was then seen staggering from an alley in Barnet in North London. One witness said, I came out with tea towels and tried to save him, but um, it didn't. it didn't help at all. Later died in the Royal London Hospital. His uh, mother made an emotional plea uh, yesterday and, a, and an emotional visit to the crime scene. But uh, the victim interacted with a group of up to four suspects. So they'll, they'll find the... Uh, I think they'll actually find the car quite easily and then they will find the people. Who goes out carrying knives nowadays? I mean, it's, I'm sure it was different in my day. I'm quite sure it was different. Perhaps it wasn't. I don't know. But when you read about people being stabbed for £120... I mean, what was that for? What was that? £120 is nothing, is it? In the scheme of things. Oh, there she is. Alex Jones, one of the worst presenters on the television. The interviews are so dreadful. And they've tried now. They can't do anything with her at all. She's 40. 40 and still behaving a bit like sort of a 19-year-old. But uh, she's revealed in Essentials magazine that, uh, that she wants to have children. Rivetingly exciting. Why do people tell you every aspect of their life? I couldn't care less, actually. I really couldn't care less. I just wish you'd go to presenting school and learn how to present, because it's, it's dreadful. I'd rather stick a gnome on there. In fact, perhaps after you put a gnome on there, you could do it and you'd probably get a bigger audience, because it's absolutely awful. LBC News Time, 5.30, with the latest headlines for you this morning. It's Lisa Aziz. David. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. 27 minutes to uh, six. It's Thursday, last day of the month, so make the best of it. Uh, Mark in Dunstable says, I love Jeremy Kyle doing what he does, but I totally agree with you. He can't do anything else. I've noticed he's desperate. Well, I've, I, I mean, I'm assuming that he's tied into some sort of golden handshake contract. And that's why they're thinking, what can we put him on? Well, you certainly can't put him on breakfast. He's got nothing at all. He's failing miserably. I watched him the other day, says Mark, on the breakfast sofa. The body language is one of dominance. He was talking to a guest and asking them questions and then answering it for them. I think the guest spoke three sentences. Why don't people realise they're paid very well to do what they do and they should just stick to it? Yes, I agree with you. He's, uh, he's way out of his depth. He's quite clearly never, ever done a double-headed programme. His body language with Kate Garraway was terrible. There was no sort of sitting together. At one point, he was leaning to one side away from her. And I thought, no, 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 the whole idea is that it's a double-headed programme. She, of course, just sails through it. It's no effort to her whatsoever. But for him, he must realise that he's out of his depth. It'd be like sticking me on question time. You know, Steve Allen's here to answer question on TOWIE. Or something like that. You know, and even then I wouldn't get most of the answers right. But he's, he shouts because he's used to being in a studio where he's shouting with a baying audience of people who sort of normally would be standing outside the job centre. And he's there. And so when it comes down to television where it's more, more relaxed, more shh, you know, just impart it, just do it, you know, and do, he can't do it. He's glued to that auto cue. 
He's glued to it, and he's just way, way out of his depth. I don't know why people think that, you know, if you've got one successful show on television, you can do anything, because he quite, quite, quite clearly cannot do anything else. That's all he can do. So um, with you on that one, Mark. Totally agree with you, says Bridget, about Ellie Harrison. She's got irritant factor, and it grieves me to say that, because I'm generally quite good on programmes. In fact, I'm always very, very accurate. And I've seen her. She's, she's just got that... I'm better than you smug attitude. She can't help it. Um, I don't like her hair. I don't like... Any, do you know she's married with three kids or something? She only looks about 18. But she's just irritating. She's just a little bit smarmy. Little Miss Clever Clogs. Uh, nobody likes the Clever Clogs. A, bit, little, a little bit like that poor girl, the, uh, the Alex Jones, struggling with the one show. I mean, seriously struggling. To watch her doing an interview, you, you feel like crawling under the settee and going, this is dreadful. But the BBC, have you noticed, persist with... Once you're there, you stay. You know, it's, uh, it's, you have to stay there forever and a day. Mark says you shouldn't slag Alex Jones off all the time. She has to do live telly five times a week. Ooh, scary. Ooh, dear. I have to do live shows six days a week, all by myself. All she's got to do is link into things, you know, and she can't even manage that very often, can she? Um, I think, uh, says Ollie, the LBC listeners would love to see you on Question Time. Could your schedule be rejigged so you could do it? I wouldn't want to do it, actually. It doesn't, I'm not interested in things like that. I think you have to know what your, what your target audience is and what you, what you do for a living. And this is what I do for a living. Nobody else can do it. That's why it's me. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And uh, another one here. A lot of people talking about uh, the garden ornaments. I didn't realise, actually, that they really were that bad, that garden ornaments people really don't want anymore. And 94% of people, 94% of people, believe it or not, in a recent survey says they would not buy a garden ornament. And for that, I'm assuming they mean, you know, it's a gnome. Uh, gnome hater Chris Herbert. I didn't know there was such a thing as a gnome hater. Well, somebody actually hates gnomes. I don't know where they originated from. I don't know whether they've been adapted from trolls or something like that, or whether they're Irish. I just know that they were always fairly cheery, in, and you'd put them in your garden, and you'd uh, and they'd just sit there. Some had fishing rods. People used to have collections of them. Some were pushing little wheelbarrows, and I thought that was quite cute. And then my grandmother had a stone one. The paint had all peeled off him, and I can remember him sitting in the corner of the garden. Whether or not they were a lucky charm, I don't know. I don't know if it was a lucky charm, but I remember thinking at the time they were fashionable, and I've seen people with little... Uh, little pools in their garden and the gnomes sitting there pretending to fish. And I just thought they were quite... They all seem to be men. I've never actually seen female gnomes. Is there such a thing as a female gnome? I'm not sure if there is. I'm really not sure. But uh, would would I want one? Uh, I wouldn't be totally against having one. I just I'm just worried about what people would say if you've got a gnome. And if I had one outside the uh, outside the front door... Uh, Paul says, the brothers who tortured the dog, how did they escape jail? If you could do that to a dog, what, what could they do to people? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I lose the will to live where it involves anybody. And if you see the pictures in the paper and you... My God, who's that? Poor old Colleen Rooney. Her legs are so thick and chunky. It's a, Oh, there are. There are female gnomes for sale. We found them. Oh, no, see, they don't look like female gnomes. They look like... They look kind of scary. They look like... Um, I don't know what they look like, actually. They look like something out of Disney, don't they? Those little fairies in Cinderella. There's one, actually, it's a garden gnome that's a, that's a pole dancer. 
Which I think is quite funny, but it only, only appealed to me. Some of the other ones just look like evil old women. <laughs> but I'm used to seeing evil old... I don't know, female gnomes. Custom girl yard gnome by Phenomenome. Phenomenome. It's actually a company that sells them. <laughs> oh, dear me. Oh, well, I shan't be by. I like the, the pole dancing one. Of course, why do they always have to be big busted when they pole dance? I thought the whole idea was, if you're big busted... You can't pole dance. It's not very. It's not very advantageous. If you're a runner, it's not advantageous to have a big bust, is it? That's one a bit scary. This is one called um, Flick River. Oh, it's a cake topper. If you had that on top of a cake, you'd be a bit scared, wouldn't you? That looks a little bit like Gemma Collins or Lauren Goodyear. I thought from uh, from Towie. More than a striking. Perhaps she is a gnome. Perhaps she's a gnome. Some of them are very... I mean, look at that. That is, that's Lauren Goodyear, isn't it? Look at that. My God, that's ugly. And uh, she's clutching... See, the flowers in the teapot make her actually look homely, but the face says, I'm really going to kill you. She's really got one of the very scary faces. But it's a cake topper, so what sort of cake would you have? I like the idea of the of the gnome down there clutching his... Um, what's that big thing he's holding? Oh, it's a toadstool kind of thing. And he's holding it in front of... in front of the wife or something. She... Bless her heart. Look at him showing off there, honestly. He's got two hands and everything. And he's, um, and she's sort of got her eyes closed as if she's expecting, you know, sort of, he's obviously said, I've got a nice present for you. And she's thinking maybe a chocolate. <laughs> Boy, is she in for a surprise when she opens her eyes. But look at him. Two hands and a big smile on his face. Because they're, they're not, they're not as creepy as I thought they were. But I mean, would you really have that in your garden? Not really. Not, I mean, I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't. I think people would point and laugh. At the moment, I've got three ducks. I think he's kind of pushing it just a little bit. Sorry, just going back to Colleen Rooney. My God, dear, you need to go back to the gym. You need to get that weight off the legs. She can't even close her legs. Dreadful legs. Dreadful legs, poor soul. Anyway, other stories which are in the uh, the papers for today. Apart from... I'm quite excited. I, I obviously feel that I've done my job now that Louis Walsh is going to be going back to the X Factor. Well, he's not actually gone back to the X Factor, but we think it's almost a foregone conclusion. Because there's nobody else. Do not put people on there. I think probably a big mistake... Uh, putting Dermot O'Dreary back on the television. Say so he's going to be doing dancing. Oh, God. Needs to learn to present first, doesn't he, really? We got rid of him first time round, but they couldn't find anybody else to do it. It's so difficult to find presenters. So difficult, isn't it? It's either Philip Schofield or nobody nowadays. Uh, Beverly Callard has been signed off for up to two months. Uh, she's had a medical crisis. You know that uh, Bev has been in on the programme before. She's been on a couple of times, actually, talking about... Um, uh, talking about her depression and stuff like that. She's grieving for her best pal, Anne Kirkbride. And uh, so she's taken ill and she's been ordered home by bosses 10 days after running out of a drug that she takes for depression. So we wish her the uh, the very best. Uh, the Brit who posed with the Egypt air hijacker and the bomb belt arrived home to an ear bashing from his mother trying to get get away. Ben Innes got a hug from Teary Pauline, who said of the snap it was stupid. Yeah, he just looked a bit geeky, doesn't he? I don't know what he does, actually. He's, a, he's an HR worker. He says, uh, he's 26, obviously still lives with mummy. He says, uh, mum was very upset seeing me, but I made it safe and sound. The past two days have been crazy. I'm here now, and things can get back to normal. I'll be relaxing at home with mum. He's obviously a bit, a bit of a simpleton, isn't he? And she's blasted this stupid selfie. It's not a selfie. Somebody else took the picture. It's not a selfie. Never a day goes by without Dave Beckham hitting the papers. It's so boring. I'm beginning to lose the will to live with the entire Beckham clan. They now say second highest earning retired sportsman in the world, pocketing 45 million. He was only beaten by Michael Jordan with 69 million. Beck's income includes six, sorry, 5.5 million a year plus royalties deal with a fashion brand and 
Uh, also, there's a Chinese real estate, three and a half million. He's got contract work with Adidas, H&M and Breitling. Uh, Forbes say his wealth could rise if he secures a US football franchise in Miami. Um, but of course, he did have to cough up 3.8 million, which uh, which Vicky took him to bail out her uh, her fashion firm. She lost a lot of money, so she goes to him for money. Maybe obviously not as good as we thought she was in the first place. Uh, stories about people who text, and uh, if you're married and you text, you can't do it. If you're set up by somebody who is so desperate to be famous, then there's not a lot you can do about it. I've already made predictions to people in the business. Uh, of what I think will happen to this story, which I don't really want to go into because uh, I think that this particular person was set up. And uh, and as I say, once a bimbo, always a bimbo. They never change their spots. But what they do is they have to sort of try and make it. If all you've got in life is sort of very white teeth and a huge pair of bosoms, that apparently nowadays is laughingly, ladies and gentlemen, called a career. I know the rest of you wouldn't actually see it as a career, but some of these girls do. I will find you the story because uh, I don't like it any more than anybody else does, of these uh, people who abuse this this dog. And also the clock's going back. This is an investigation. Uh, at the start of the Sun's clocking investigation, the Audi uh, had a reading of 43,674. After the car's first clocking, the mileage is down to 33,643. The final stage of it takes it down to an unlikely 23,596 which is which is okay but as i've said before in in liverpool they charge 120 quid london 80 quid uh essex 120 don't these people realize that the mileage is written on the mot they not realize bradford 100 pounds uh, the crooks who are doing it but it's apparently it is fraud to sell that car. If you know that that mileage is altered and you can prove it, people are going to start appearing in court, so just be warned about it. There is a legal grey area around firms who clock the car's mileage, as the practice has never been proven in court as fraud. But uh, the people who are doing it are quite clearly dodgy, because they're taking in cash, aren't they? And are they, uh, are they putting it through the books? The hell they are, ladies and gentlemen. The hell they are. Uh, there's also the story of uh, EastEnders... Actors who try to become pop stars are normally about as welcome as a Pat Butcher striptease. And uh, so they talk about it. Why do people go on to a television programme and then they go, actually, really, I want to be a pop singer? And you go, do you really? It was like that poor, deluded Katie Price, you know, who seems to think she's got some gift for singing. And, of course, she's as flat as a pancake. A bit like her career, I suppose, at at the moment. Because having watched her on the television, oh, Lord above. It's, uh, it's about as bad as it could get. And still to come, as Smash Show enters its 10th year, Britain's Got Secrets, who were the people who were originally put up for it? You may be surprised. Quarter to six. Steve Allen on LBC. Text 84850. I've done that. We were just talking, actually, about wine in the light of uh, Kay Burley, who goes out to the Chilton Firehouse... I don't know why, it's full of naff people. The celebrities that go there, it sort of became like, oh, here's somebody coming out of the Chilton Firehouse. But they only went there once. Here's the Beckhams going in, here's the photographer standing outside, and they had to keep putting it in there. But to be honest with you, I, I never go for those sort of places. I always think, here today, gone yesterday. And so anyway, so Kay Burley goes out for a lunch, and she has this £130 bottle of wine. And the producer Clive was just saying to me that he went to, uh, to an awards ceremony, and once you've had the free wine on the table... You then go, um, uh, can we get a couple, 
couple of bottles of wine. And you think you're being quite good. You think, what can it be? 20 quid a bottle, 15 quid a bottle, something like that. No, two bottles of wine, £130. Of course, you never check, do you? You never check these things. You just automatically go, I'll, I'll, I'll. And it didn't get drunk. Oh, see, I'd want to take it home. I did that once when we were all drinking. Went over the other side of the Leicester Square. There used to be an all bar one. It's now all changed, all been pulled down, all sorts of things. And we used to go over there on a Friday night, uh, which was quite nice, actually. And after you'd had a couple of drinks, I'd become to... I'll get it. And I was buying bowls of chips. And at one point, I think we had 15 bowls of chips arriving, because it was nice. It was nice. But, you know, if you're having a drink, there's something about salted chips and everything else, you know, which, which is very appealing to people. And I always used to pay for it. I used to quite like paying for it because actually I didn't think it was, you know, it was too much money. But £130 for two bottles of wine, I think actually seems like an awful lot of money. It does to me anyway, but it doesn't really matter, does it? It's got nothing to do with people, what Kay Burley chooses to do. If she chooses to go out and spend £130 on a bottle of wine, that's her business. Who are these stupid people who, who write to her going, oh, this is it, you know, come into the real world. You think, no, no, you come into the real world, troll. Here's the brothers. They're in the Daily Mail today. A pair of sadistic brothers, Andrew Frankish, uh, who laughed as uh, one of the brothers headbutted a young bulldog, jumped on it and hurled it downstairs. He also slammed his pet called Baby into the ground from head height, swung it round and stamped on it. The cruelty was filmed by his brother Dame uh, Daniel, with both men clearly heard sniggering during their abuse. Baby had lost the use of her hind legs and had to be put to sleep three months later. These assaults took place in 2013, but the thugs were not caught until two years later when a memory card containing the barbaric footage was found on a supermarket floor. Both men from North Yorkshire, Redcar, is where they are, pleaded guilty to causing the dog unnecessary suffering, and they were sentenced to 21 weeks in prison, suspended for two years, and a tagged curfew. Well... Oh, sorry, I lose the will to live on this one. Uh, anyway, the outrage at their offence has sparked an online petition calling for a tougher punishment, which has now amassed more than 90,000 signatures. Petitions with 100 are considered for debate in Parliament. Um, the petition organiser says that uh, it was the sheer brutality of their video that drove him to demand a harsher sentence. I absolutely agree. I mean, I don't know what punishment there is for these... I mean, it's just disgusting... I mean, this whole horrible ordeal seems to be, for these two brothers, entertainment. Anybody who's seen the video says it's the uh, the worst thing they've ever seen. I mean, you know, there are people who've seen a lot of horrible things, and this is about it. I mean, these... Uh, these why was their prison sentence suspended? I mean, it's, is there not a place for people who are sick? Is there not a place for them? Voluntary euthanasia or something like that? How they can do it anyway? You could, there's a picture of them standing on this dog who must be thinking, what is going on? Probably a mercy when it was put to sleep, I should imagine. It's absolutely disgraceful. It really is. And that's what we've got in this country. People who don't care. I've seen it on the police programmes. People who throw dogs out of car windows to stop the police chasing. I mean, it really is. It's as bad as that. These people should be taken and prosecuted. Absolutely, we don't want this kind of thing, do we? I'm trying to find more on the on the Kay Burley story because it's... Um, it's a bit sad, really, but because somebody who works hard for a living goes out and decides to have a nice lunch with a, a very expensive bottle of wine, it would be, it would be expensive in, in, in my books for £130. I'd have to really want it. You know, I think spending 30 quid on a bottle of Prosecco is bad enough, but uh, if that's what you want to drink and you're going out and you're sharing it with people, why not? Why not? Just go out and do it and enjoy it. But uh, to have people then criticising you afterwards is, of course, hilarious. Who are these stupid people? 
Who are they? People who interfere with what somebody does for their lunchtime. Because you can imagine what they're like, can't, can't you? They're all fat and bloated, and they eat chips and kebabs and everything else, and their diet's really bad, and they probably smoke. But they probably don't work at all. They're more interested in what other people do. Oh, Lord, you can get some very nice little... Um, some very nice little mobility scooters around at the moment. I keep... Oh, my Lord above, what on earth is that? Naturists. They're doing a picture in... Um, why are naturists always unattractive? Why can't naturists be sort of... They're always terribly flabby and bodies that are hopelessly out of condition. I mean, really, really bad. I mean, it's just... So they have to cover it up. So the camera covers up the woman's... You know, like we've never seen breasts before. And so you've got all these things. But they're, they're just doing a huge photo in Hull, I think, where they try to get lots of nude people. And the photographer has to, uh, has to go down there and take a picture of a lot of people. But again, they all look like they need ironing. All these people. I mean, they're just flabby and horrible. It looks awful. So anyway, so the, uh, the, um, the telebroadcaster, Kay Burley, uh, one here, she says, We paid £130 for a bottle of average wine with dinner, but weren't allowed to finish at the table and no space at the bar. Because what they do in all these places... So this is what it is. It's uh, When you go there, uh, and if you go to a lot of restaurants now, you go, um, uh, can I book a table for uh, six o'clock? And they go... Yes, you can. I need the table back by 7.30. And you think, I wouldn't go to a restaurant like that. I really wouldn't. You know, if somebody said to me, we need the table back, I'd say, well, why? What they generally do is they move you to the bar. It happens in loads and loads of places. But, you know, if it's Kay Burley, I'm assuming she's recognisable. And people would say, no, you can stay at the table. I mean, what's sort of, you know, anyway. So, anyway, so she, uh, there was no space at the bar, so they couldn't go anywhere else. So she goes there. Uh, she was lambasted. After she took to Twitter, she said staff at the uh, Chiltern Firehouse, they call it posh, nothing posh about it. You want to see some of the low rent people that go in there. They let people from Towie in. Goodness sake. They wouldn't let her party finish the wine on their table. So, she says, Chiltern Firehouse, properly get over yourselves. Ridiculous, ridiculous superior attitude to diners. We will not be returning. Her comments then sparked rage among social media users. One, one tweeted, appreciate you tweeted in frustration, but given economic climate, was it wise to tweet economic climate? Who are these stupid people? Who are these stu- Why don't you write to Chilton Firehouse? Why are you writing to her? They're the ones selling it. She's not trampled on grapes to make this. Another wrote, how about you go to a homeless shelter and spend the money on helping them? These people are complete idiots. One added, an embarrassing saga. My own take is that the major embarrassment belongs to Kay Burley. No, 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 it belongs to the stupid people, the internet trolls. Those are the stupid people in that one. Why don't you go to a homeless shelter? Why don't you stop wasting your money on tweets and go and do something worthwhile? Like trying to find out why you don't have any friends anymore. You know, why don't you... Can't, I should imagine, actually, in Chilton Firehouse, if they're a posh restaurant, and I don't like the word posh restaurant, why don't they just sort of, you know, print their wine list? You know, how much is their average wine in there? You know, do they have bottles costing more than 130 quid? Why don't the trolls with no friends, apart from themselves, because that's generally who they're writing for, they're just writing for themselves and their other little loony friends. You know, why don't they write to Chilton Firehouse saying, you know, have you visited a homeless shelter recently? <laughs> be equally as important, isn't it? <laughs> 84850, steve at uk, And we read everything out on the programme. We do not miss anything at all. Uh, another one here. And this is... Oh, somebody talking about the Australian food. Uh, True mileage. Logged in the car's ECU. Read by diagnostic equipment, says Andy. Can't be altered. And um, Jeremy Kyle, says Malcolm, usually ends his show by saying, thanks to you for watching at home. 
any longer on GMB. He can say it and mean it. <laughs> it's just it's awful, isn't it, really? The Jeremy Kyle topic has an easy answer. He's Alan Partridge, a comedy character. That's why Coogan's a huge star, and Kyle just appeals to the jobless, punch-drunk people of this country. Yes, I mean, I absolutely agree with you. It's a ghastly, ghastly... And of course, because he can't present. Because he cannot present. That's what I find uh, generally sort of... Not infuriating, I sort of laugh and turn off. And that's, I suspect, what, uh, what most people... Uh, would do. Uh, more of your texts and, uh, and emails coming in as well. Plus, uh, Noel, this must be uh, not Noel Edmonds, because we like Noel Edmonds. This is Noel Gallagher. Uh, he reckons that being an independent artist keeps him away from record label, and he uses a rude word, the high flying bird star. He's a bit simple, isn't he, really? He says, I enjoy the lack of money that I make. I enjoy the lack of record sales, and I enjoy the lack of awards. Quite frankly, my mantelpiece was chock a block with the things i enjoy not working with people in record labels who are in fact as we all know it's nice to get away from that mob they know do you really seriously think that anybody's remotely interested in the dribblings from an utter idiot who cares listen you've had your day get over yourself goodness sake nobody cares listen without these record companies you'd be nobody it's like there was a, a radio presenter the other day who was criticising the X Factor because they dumped him after one series, mainly because he can't present. I mean, he was really useless. And so, you know, in retaliation, they put him on the radio. I can't understand why. If somebody's a failure on the television, why they think they're going to work on the radio? The whole thing, you know, has to... If, if you don't like somebody on the telly, you're not going to like them on the radio. It doesn't matter what they do, how funny they are, how clever they are. I mean, admittedly, on this programme, we are we are cleverer than most people. Uh, so Ben Cohen's wife has bitten back. She's obviously very bitter about the whole thing. As I say, don't worry about it. It won't last for very much longer. I have a sneaking feeling that within about uh, within about a year, we might be looking at the fact that Christina Rianoff has now split from Ben Cohen because he's still looking for a job. Coming up to the news at six o'clock Thursday, the thirty first of March, at Steve Allen's early breakfast. Uh, the smash hit show entering the tenth year. Britain's Got Secrets. Who was going to be the original presenters of that programme? You may be surprised. More families pay for a cleaner. Wow. One in three spend their pay in just one week. Bolton, the only place a home costs less than uh, the year 2000. The key to living beyond 100, a sprinkle of rosemary, which is quite nice. Uh, the Brit who posed with the hijacker gets an ear bashing from his mother. And, uh, and Kay Burley. No, she was absolutely right to complain. Absolutely. The internet trolls. You can never afford to go out anywhere, can you? And that's why it's so sad and we laugh at you. News at six is next. On Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. Thursday, 31st of March. It's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast. I'm with you until uh, 6.30. We do have a free podcast for you every day. If you go to the LBC website, which is lbc.co.uk, you can download a free app. And that means that every day we send you a free podcast where we look at the wonderful world of celebrities and how terribly exciting and dim most of them turn out to be. Cost of a funeral up. Average price of a funeral now, don't want to worry you, £3,700. I think I'll just be popped in a bin liner and put out. Dyson vacuums the air in your home. It's an awful lot of money, as indeed are most of their things. The couple barred, I must find this story, from the honeymoon suite, they lost their key. And um, apparently Ben Cohen's wife is now biting back. Oh, dear. 
Nothing worse than bitter, is there? I mean, I can understand exactly how she feels. He goes on a programme. Mind you, his entire world must have collapsed. The best he gets is a reality show, the worst reality show we've ever seen, called The Jump, where most people seem to be permanently injured. But never mind. Uh, Country Files Adam on his show business pedigree. I, th- I, I don't want to. I, I liked it earlier on. I'm now thinking, oh, I hope we're not going to see the start of, oh, I really want my own primetime television programme kind of thing. I don't like that at all. Uh, One Direction's uh, Liam is going to wed Cheryl. Oh, good. Delighted. That'll last about five minutes. He, of course, is 22, mental age, probably about seven. And uh, she's 32, mental age, about five, I should imagine. Perhaps they'll be well suited. Uh, The gem heist Mr Biggs on Borrowed Time. Yes, this is the man who is missing from the Hatton Garden heist. They reckon not too long before he's caught. Who is he? They think they've got some names in the frame. And uh, there was a guy who was on television who was on one of these benefit programmes. He's an alcoholic and uh, he's dead. He died through, uh, through drink abuse. Th- there's nothing odd in that because lots of alcoholics die. It's just the fact that he was more well-known than most people. I'd never heard of him, frankly, because I'd never seen this programme. It's where they go to this town where 90% are on benefits and most of them just sit around wasting their lives smoking and drinking, and that's what he did. But his family want his funeral to be shown on television. What for? Why, why would that serve any useful purpose? The answer is it, uh, it wouldn't. Uh, the EU raises the risk of migrant sex gang attacks and... Um, and a hundred toddlers expelled by nurseries for being violent. Where do they get that from? They get it from their mummies and daddies. Violent mummies and daddies, violent children, badly behaved children. That's what you bring back discipline. Oh, no, we can't do that because there's rules. So you can't bring back discipline, you can't smack, you can't chide, you can't do anything at all. Otherwise you'll find somebody in a supermarket reporting you to the police. It's all very worrying. Ollie says, I think the LBC listeners would be uh, very impressed to see you on Question Time. Yes, well, let's face it, if Charlotte Church can make it on there and she was a total disaster, I suppose there's hope for all of us, really. I could do common sense. My subject could be common sense on mastermind, says Tom. You could win it hands down. It's just saying what everybody wants to hear, absolutely. Stuart the Milk says, people who are cruel to animals and Kyle's candidates, taken out and, uh, and dispatched. They're no good to man, beast or society. Well, they're certainly not much use to society. The people who appear on the Jeremy Kyle show, I sometimes sit there looking at them thinking, what, how do you think you're coming over on television? People scream, families scream at each other. It's absolutely dreadful. It's, it's sort of, you just thank your lucky stars, don't you, that they're nowhere near where you live, because I don't know where they actually get them from. I th- I, at one time, I seriously believed, I thought they were from an agency. I thought there must be an agency for really thick, dim people with loads of tattoos and uh, people still wearing Ugg boots in the middle of summer. That's what I thought it was, and it turns out, no, these people are real. They actually exist. Ridiculous. Villa starts seven-hour hooker and booze party. Hooker, as in hooker pipe, not hooker hooker. So it's spelt differently. And this is a Premier League striker who had a seven-hour champagne and hooker pipe session as his Doom Club Aston Villa season went up in smoke. Now, I don't know anything about hooker pipes. I remember trying one once. I thought it was horrid. Absolutely horrid. But some people thrive on it, so that's, uh, so that's fine. Uh, One Direction's uh, Liam Payne. This is the cousin again of Liam Payne. He's singing like a dreary old canary at the moment. He thinks the gap is weird. He's a former contestant on The Voice, oh dear. Nothing worse than being a former contestant. For that, read, failure. Failure. Go away. Useless. Can't sing. Can't sing at all. Uh, Farage talking about the mass migrant sex attacks, which will hit the UK. I think they're hitting. They're hitting. And, um... 
and this uh, this other one. Uh, women are refusing to become lorry drivers because they hate. What do you think? Not sex. I thought sexism. Atrocious toilets. Atrocious toilets. My mother, when we when we moved to a certain part of the country, we were living in a caravan while my parents scoured the area trying to find somewhere for us to live. So we had the money, and so we lived in a caravan. On a building site, believe it or not. It was a garage, but to one side of it they were building um, um, a garage. And and so we sort of stayed there. And it had toilets. <laughs> Happy days, eh? Going into a garage and actually finding a toilet. And because it was dirty, my mother, because we used to use the toilet, she looked on it as part of the extension of the caravan. So she'd be in there cleaning the toilet. She'd be putting disinfectant in the loo, cleaning around the sink, washing the floor out. That was my mother. She loved doing things like that. So, in fact, she even put a towel in there. And of course, the garage were delighted because it was the cleanest toilets of any garage you've ever seen. And so people were going there going, the toilets are clean, which you wouldn't expect. And that's why women do not want to become lorry drivers, because they say the toilets are atrocious. Men, of course, couldn't care less, could they? Men couldn't care less about toilets. But, uh, but, uh, but for women, they're looking for something a little bit better. Not necessarily fluffy towels, but just something that looks as though men want to clean it. But, of course, men don't clean, unless they're gay. They don't clean anything, so they end up living in this sort of permanently, you know, place that smells of wee. It's horrible. Uh, the lovesick hijacker with a fake suicide belt told police, what's somebody supposed to do when he hasn't seen his wife for years? Pay for a flight to uh, Cyprus, unless you're particularly stupid. Oh, sorry, you are particularly stupid. The wife has said she doesn't want to see him, she doesn't want anything to do with him. Uh, he threatened to detonate his, uh, his fake vest and force the plane to, plane to reroute. Why didn't you just, I mean, if he bought a ticket to get on the plane in the first place, why didn't you just buy a ticket to Cyprus? I don't, I don't quite understand what the problem is, unless he really is as simple as we think he is. And the answer is, he is as simple as we think he is. Apparently his, uh, his passport had been blacklisted when he escaped from prison, where he was serving time for forgery and fraud charges. He said, I'm so embarrassed by all the publicity, I don't want to see it. That's what the wife said, I'm so embarrassed. I can well imagine. Luckily there's no photographs of her, there's just the idiot husband. Uh, the bloke who's got the, the shiny cars in London has come forward. He is just a silly little show-off. And uh, here he is. They say he's a billionaire. Or perhaps his daddy's a billionaire. Whatever it is, he drives around Paris and Saudi and people go, there goes that silly show-off again. And here he is. At one point, he's got uh, a leopard pictured in his car, chained up, because you don't let leopards just wander about. And that's apparently the latest thing in Saudi Arabia. People get these wild animals... And they're sort of domesticated. They're still wild animals. <laughs> they could kill eventually. And um, and they just have them sitting in the car as some sort of status symbol. He's obviously just one of these silly little rich boys who's uh, who's showing off. And uh, we laugh and point a finger. He outed himself the other day, which I thought was a little little bit of a silly thing to do. But there you go. That's what some people do. Mind you, the silly thing, I suppose, really, is the owner blowing the money on that doggy hen party. I mean, she looks fairly normal, but quite clearly she's not. The Captain Birdseye. I do like the Captain Birdseye story, because it was one of those characters... Mind you, I like the Green Cross Code Man. I thought those those things were all sort of part of our... Um, part of our sort of growing up, weren't they? Jay Wick, Clacton on Sea, Benefits by the Sea, says Jane. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, somebody says, Steve, they get all the guests for the Kyle show from West Drayton. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Somebody says here, why do people feel the need to go on social media to tell a load of strangers what they had for breakfast or dinner and who cares how much Kay Burley spent on a bottle of wine? No, it wasn't down to that. You've missed the point. You see, that's why, you know, people don't understand it. She was complaining 
that they spent £130 on a bottle of average wine. She wasn't complaining about the wine. This is where, where the dimbos, the trolls, have missed the point completely because they're too stupid. She was complaining about the fact that they were obviously on a timed table and they then went, you know, you need get off the table. And they couldn't go to the bar because the bar was full. That's what she... She's not complaining about the price of the bottle of wine. The bottle of wine is, is, is just... It's merely the vehicle to explain to you that they'd spent that much on a bottle of wine between four of them and the restaurant wanted the table back. That's what she's complaining about. But, of course, the internet trolls are a bit thick. They don't know that. They don't understand. They've never been to a restaurant before. Most of their food comes with plastic knives and forks in a polystyrene box. They don't know what it's like to eat off plates because they're simpletons. They're simpletons. They're jealous of everybody else's life because they don't have one. They don't either have a life or any friends. Their entire life is either grouped around the computer, sending out things going, oh, I really don't like this. You're a terrible person. Could you spend £130 on a bottle of wine? That's why. That's why, because they, they don't understand that. Because they get their benefits and it goes on, on burgers and stuff like that. No, that's how it works. That's how it works. Never wrong, you know. Uh, so here he is, the alcoholic star of Benefits by the Sea. They call him a star now. An alcoholic is now a star. It's hilarious, isn't it, really? The booze-related epileptic seizure killed Gary Gaz Barnes at the age of 40. You know, you'd have thought, actually, as opposed to filming him for a TV show, getting him into some sort of help or something. But anyway, cameras for the, uh, the doll programme invited to film his funeral in Jaywick. The emotional scenes will be shown later in the series. Why would it be emotional? I didn't know him. Do you know him? No, nobody knew him around here. Why would it be an emotional scene? So an alcoholic drank himself to death and the family want the funeral shown on television and we're supposed to feel something. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I don't. I really don't. I've never even seen the programme. I, I, I know oh, now you've told me what it is. I am aware of it, but I don't... Uh, it wouldn't be the sort of thing I would be remotely interested in at all. Uh, Gobby Samwood uh, is making a return to Benidorm. I've only ever seen little bits of Benidorm. I haven't seen very much of it. But the moment they announced that that uh, dreary old has-been, Benefit D or White Benefit D or White uh, white Fat Boy, Fat Girl D, whatever her name is, with the agent who's got apparently a worldwide international client list, uh, she's going into Benidorm. As what? I can't imagine. Probably herself, I should imagine. Useless. I don't know, these poor people. They laughingly think they're in show business. They're so not. Uh, 6.15, LBC News Time, the latest headlines for you this morning. Ellen and Oakes. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Thursday, the 31st of March. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Somebody wrote to me from Shubriness, poor soul. He's obviously got no friends. He's only got six followers, which is slightly tedious. He says, why don't you have a holiday, not worried about your job? No, I have a huge long contract. Do you not know that? Oh, dear, no. And every day's a holiday. Every day's a holiday. Why would you want to go away on holiday? to say every day is a holiday i come in here i can finish i get to talk to nice people and uh, i get to see nice people i get cups of coffee brought for me i mean every why would you want to go on holiday what's the point i have an ex- i have a long contract here which has been running for years and years and nobody ever achieves my figures so uh, david i hope you find some more friends i'm slightly disturbed that you might not have any friends and there's probably a reason for that actually OK, but, you know, I'm sure you know about it, don't you, as well as we do. Uh, what else do we have? Oh, we had the, uh, the hen party. All the pe- one in three people spend their pay in just a week. So they get paid and they spend... I mean, I meet more and more people. I don't know if you do. Well, probably don't. well David doesn't meet anybody, but I mean, it doesn't matter. Because you meet people now and they go, it's coming up to the end of the month. I spoke to somebody a short while ago and he said, uh, he said oh, so I'm glad we get paid tomorrow. He said, I've got 30p left. And I thought, you must be going out an awful lot. I never end a month, and I don't think I ever have done, but I've only had 30p left. I mean, that stri- strikes me. I said, do you want some money? He said, no, no, no. He said, fine, we get, we get paid tomorrow. 
I felt a bit sorry, actually. Uh, more families pay for a cleaner. Would you want a cl- I haven't got a cleaner. I wouldn't want one. I always think, pardon me, I always think they actually root through your stuff. You know, they'd be going through, you know, if I was cleaning the producer's place, I'd be going through everything. I'd be pulling drawers out, under the bed, under the mat. Oh, I'd be going everywhere. You have to do that, don't you? Otherwise, you don't know about anybody. It's like picking up somebody's phone. You know, if, it, if it's unlocked, well, it's a bonus. If it's locked, you have to start working out combinations, which is a little bit tedious. Uh, so the key to living to 100, not that I think you want to live to 100. I don't know why. I suppose if you're 99, it's kind of de rigueur that you'd want to live to the 100. But if you're sort of, you know, 12, 13, 15, 17, 19, 22, 24, and somebody says, do you want to live to 100? You're going, I don't think so. This party lifestyle is a little bit difficult. I don't know what life would be like at 100. You'd have no friends because they'd all be dead. But apparently the key is rosemary. You see, it's like people who keep fit. I've often worried about people who keep fit because I think it's, I think it's fairly narcissistic, which I don't have a problem with. I don't have a problem with narcissism because we all like to sort of stand in front of a mirror. But if you've got a really good body and you work out, if you go to the gym regularly and you pump iron or you do weights or sit-ups or whatever, and then you, you get to that stage where you've had probably a naff body and then you end up with a good body, I should imagine you probably spend a lot of time standing stark naked in front of the mirror going... Pretty good, eh? Pretty hot. And I saw somebody who came in Paul Cooper's shop the other day, and he's a trainer, and he was buying all this healthy stuff, like greens and spinach and ginger, and he didn't buy any rosemary. I might recommend that today. And, uh, and I, said, I said, all healthy stuff. He said, yeah. He said, I wish it wasn't. And I said, yeah, but I said, if you were eating all the bad stuff, I said, you'd have a body like mine. He said, no, he said, you're doing yourself down. I thought, that's what trainers say to you. They always say, of course, you could have a body like mine if you sort of gave up an entire life. Stop drinking. Apparently, if you stop drinking, you can, you can, you can save an awful lot because there's so much sugar in things like that. But I'd hate to be so devoted to my body that I kind of sort of left everything else to one side because I think you can get quite into it. You know, you, you get people who sort of run. I mean, I know somebody who runs, you know, like seven, eight miles, something like that, in the early hours of the morning when it's dark. And, you know, wears a lot of dark clothing. Probably has flashing lights somewhere, but anyway. And sort of runs around. Because they like doing it. Because they feel better. A friend of mine is really, really heavily into the gym. And if he doesn't go for a day, he feels slovenly. He feels like he's, you know, it's like... But you can't make him eat anything that he thinks is bad for his body. So he wouldn't eat chips. He wouldn't eat anything fried. He would look on that with absolute horror. But he'll take a handful of nuts and pulses, which is, you know, I think you've got to let yourself go. I think you've got to enjoy your life. But at the same time, make sure that you don't lose all the, uh, the things which are probably terribly bad for you. Uh, 84850, Steve at uk. Everything on the programme. Don't miss anything out at all. We have to read them all out. Otherwise, you know, people get a little bit uh, worried. Um, Steve Wilco who was Jerry Springer's head of security, who was given his own show, was once asked where the people came from for the show. He replied, every town and city in America. I think they, they probably do the same for the Jeremy Kyle show. And I think they probably, the, the Jeremy Kyle show, it t- they had one once, and it turned out that one of them was an internet troll at the same time. And Jeremy Kyle proved it on television. It was one, one of those rare occasions where the programme was, was barely able to watch itself. And uh, he said, but you actually sent these. No, I didn't. And they stand there blatantly lying about it and you know that they've been caught out and that's what's so funny about it and so he said he said you did do it he said we know you did he said because we've checked the phone records no i didn't yes you did eventually they have to admit and that's where oh jane says shoebriness is akin to clacton on sea oh dear that's why poor dave's got no friend i don't think there's anybody living there apart from dave and his and his memories <laughs> uh steve the ugg boots yes we know this one designed for the summer to be worn on beaches in oz 
I know. I find it slightly disturbing that people in Oz wear Ugg boots. They're called Ugg because they're ugly. They make people's feet look ugly. You wouldn't find men wearing them. Well, actually, I tell a lie. I've seen men wearing Ugg boots. They do make Ugg boots for men. People are worried. I don't know why. I know. I'm, well, they're supposed to be warm, but they just, they just don't look attractive, do they? I mean, I like... You know, I'm, nobody's got... I mean, I don't think feet are anybody's best feature. You know, I mean, in, in terms... If you were standing there naked in front of the, uh, the mirror, the last thing you look at is your feet. Or in my case, you can't see them anyway, so it doesn't really make any difference. But that's, that's you know, nobody bothers about their feet. The only time I see my feet is in the shower. The rest, of, or if I sort of, you know, put a, put a leg up over the other one, but it becomes more and more difficult the older you become. Uh, Daily Express front page. Adele, up for a BAFTA before taking a five-year holiday. She's made so much money. I mean, she's made so much money. But I don't begrudge her that at all. I really don't. I think she's lovely. And uh, if you work for it, why shouldn't you have the money? God help her if she ever tweets that she's bought a a million-pound house. The internet trolls will be out in force. How dare you? Have you visited a homeless shelter recently? That's what it'll be like. Uh, The village of 100-year-olds. God, it must be. What do they talk about? At 100? Nobody knows who anybody is. They've all forgotten. They've got no idea. They're all sitting there staring into distance going, yeah? Who's that? Who's that person? Who's that person? People do that, don't they? I do it. I sort of come in here. If I see somebody I don't know, I say to somebody, who's that? And somebody say, I don't know. I don't know who it is. But we all do it. Um, uh, I sent my brother the other day. He wanted the, uh, the box set. Well, he didn't. I kind of forced it on him of Columbo. And the postman delivered it the other day, which is very exciting. Isn't it? I like to do nice things for people. Uh, Phil Vickery, my friend, uh, says that uh, I'd be very good on, uh, on Question Time. <laughs> I think I'd be terrible. I seriously think I'd, I'd be terrible. I, I really do think. I, I, I've watched other people being out of their depth, and all it appears to me is that people get on there and shout and sort of put over their views, and they don't actually give a, an honest answer to a question. I'm afraid that I'd be Hang'em and Flog'em Brigade. That's, I can't help that at all. That's, that's what I am, I think. We need to start getting ourselves back in order again. I've gone way down the wrong road at the moment. Uh, super allergies. A lot of people get... To, sorry, a lot of people get allergies, and it's really quite awful. Hay fever's very big at the moment, and colds. They laughingly used to call them summer colds, but they're not, uh, they're not summer colds anymore. It's just, you know, people, you know, I hate it if somebody's got a cold and they come into work. It's only because I'm a bit selfish. And I always think that uh, I've had my flu jab, but I don't, uh, I don't hang around anybody who's got a cold. Because if I get a cold, and I've not had one for ages, touch wood, uh, it takes you off work. And I don't like that at all. Front page of The Sun... Clocky horror show, £40 to slash mileage on cars, and it's not against the law yet. Uh, also an ultimatum from one woman to her husband. Stay away from this, uh, this other woman, who we're not going to name, but she's obviously an attention seeker. She's just another bimbo type who writes to somebody famous. And uh, shall I make the prediction? I bet you anything you'll see this bimbo type on one of these reality shows, and then all of a sudden somebody becomes famous through being famous. Fame by association. It's always very, uh, uh, very sad. Uh, the mail today is Dave trying just a little too hard to be cool. They've got a picture of David Cameron with headphones on, but they've got union, uh, union flags on there, which is quite nice. No water, no pain relief, no comfort. The report uh, today in the paper exposing how the NHS hospitals neglect the terminally ill, shunned in their dying hours. And it's one thing that you would expect of your parents, you know, your brother, your sister, your aunt, your uncle, your mum, your dad, uh, your grandparents. You would expect them in their final days to be treated with some sort of respect and to get everything that they should. And it turns out they're not. 
They're not getting what they should be. Thank you very much indeed for your company this morning. It's been very exciting. Well, from our end, it's been very exciting. I don't know what it's been like for you out there, but we've been fairly happy with it. We've had a variety of faces. I've never seen so many people the other side of the glass. At one point, we had four people. Four people. I haven't seen four people in this programme for years. It's very exciting. So have a great day. We'll have a free podcast up for you very, very shortly. Thank you for all your texts and emails. We got through them all this morning, which was lovely. You can listen to LBC whenever you want, wherever you are. You can download the free LBC app. I urge you to do it on the LBC website. It's for your mobile or tablet and never miss a moment. Leading Britain's conversation at seven. It's Nick Ferrari at breakfast. Follow me on Twitter at Steve Allen Show. And thank you to Gary for sorting my phone out. But right now, it's Lisa Aziz with the morning news. This is LBC. 